0: Welcome to Highway Freaks, Real Truckers, Real Life. I'm Bry Guy, your road dog host, introducing my road crew from British Columbia, Canada, J-Man the Star, from Vancouver Island, Motorhead Park, and Cruisin Corinne. From Swift Current, Saskatchewan, Electric Aaron, and of course, country rock singer GM Blacktop, produced by Calgary's Power path We are Highway freaks. That's right, we're highway freaks, real truckers, real life. I'm Brian Guy, your host, sitting in Casper, Wyoming tonight. I might say a chilly, minus fifteen, Casper, Wyoming. Roads are just atrocious. Uh, J-Man, where are you sitting at?
1: I am sitting in balmy, and I mean balmy, forty-six degree Fahrenheit, Lethbridge. Wow. Nice and toasty.
0: No kidding. And we have the extraordinaire himself, the singer-songwriter, ex-owner-operator, but now a company man, GM Blacktop. Where are you tonight?
2: I'm in Georgia, Georgia. Oh,
0: good. By the way, by the way, with with Christmas coming up, um, I want want you guys all to know this, and we did this last year, and Jay's going to... Jay's gonna love this. We are going to be singing Christmas carols oh, again on Highway Freaks. You got go it right. Go no go to no. I'm gonna be <laughs> sick. I am gonna be singing. sick that day. No, no. Everybody's gotta sing. Everybody's gotta sing. You fine, did it last fine, year. In fact, fine. Jay, I am gonna do. James? I am gonna do my
1: rendition. I changed the words and everything of the Grinch. Okay.
0: All right, so and it's nasty. And, um,
1: it's nasty. There's going to be shotguns going off everywhere.
0: Okay, and of course, you know I'm going to do Randolph the bowlegged cowboy, Brian, Brian <laughs> Guy's version, Brian Guy's version, <laughs> Chat ch- chat my inner Bing Crosby. You, you remember, you remember that, okay? And Corinne, um, don't know what your singing voice is like, but uh, yes. we are going to we're going to nominate yes. you to to do one as well. So. Everybody's got to do that. Whoa, whoa, whoa,
3: whoa! You didn't tell me about singing when I signed up for this.
0: Oh, I know. He did
1: it to us. He did it to it. Do it. Did it to us last year. And it was great. My kid. My kid thought it was so bloody funny and ridiculous. She made it. Made it her ringtone.
0: Yes. <laughs> Yes. Yes. Uh, yeah. I never heard the end of that. That was great. Oh, that was man. Great.
1: Every, everybody that came over, that uh, people I didn't even know. Hey, man, you want to hear something stupid? <laughs>
0: <laughs> it It is. Jay, Jay sings really oh, well. I'll just say. Stop oh, yeah. no so,
3: non-singing like people.
1: Yeah. Well, let's just well, put it this way. Let's just put it this way. I tried singing in the shower one time and the shower stopped.
0: <laughs> well, we—I can't—I can't, I can't hear, wait to hear GM singing his rendition of Jingle Bells uh, on on our Highway actually, Christmas podcast. I, oh I, I'm actually not going to
2: do that. I've actually been thinking about this for a while now. Uh, I'm going to be doing a Silent Night, Holy Night in a Hebrew tongue. Very okay.
0: interesting. <laughs> okay, Silence. that should be. <laughs> is, is, does that involve uh, yells and, and and yelps and and uh, dog cat dog cat cat calls. Or well, that,
2: last last time I checked, he, the Hebrew language wasn't anywhere familiar with dogs and cats, but maybe.
0: Okay, all right. Okay, um, coming up later on tonight, I did an amazing interview with Brian Vollmer of Helix, and part one uh, we're going to have at the end of these this uh, visit number fifty-five. I might add, and we are back to playing some of Fisk music. Uh, We're going to play some classic stuff. And then we're going to play a remake that uh, they did from Joan Osborne called One of Us. Such a great rendition. Yes. Yes, I heard that. Very, very Very, well done. Extremely well done. Yes. So uh, so a lot of good things tonight. Um, We've got some great topics. Uh, I'm going to tell you about my short two-week flatbed career. And yes, that's what I meant. Two weeks. Okay. Um, It's great. Uh, I haven't, uh, I've told this probably to uh, hundreds of people. I've never told it on the podcast and I thought, why not? Okay. Because we're going to talk about trucker misfalls, missteps, screw-ups, whatever you want to call it. We all were there at one time and I want to ask each one of you uh, a little tidbit of uh, what you went through or what damage you might have done. So that'll be some good input. Uh, Corinne, what are you going to talk about tonight?
3: I will be covering Grand Canyon and Bryce Canyon in Arizona.
0: Nice, very nice. And Motorhead Mark will be joining us in progress, and I believe he has the death biography on someone that just died recently from the Night Court TV series, Richard oh, Mall. Yes, Bull, Bull, Bull. Yes, yeah, yeah. yes, exactly. So. um, I think we're going to put uh, GM on the spot first because, you know, GM is uh, is a truck driver and uh, he's got a, a loads that he's got to get to in the morning. So he won't be on very long, but uh, I know he's definitely got something on his mind. So uh, fire away there, GM.
2: I was going to talk tonight about a uh, concept and anybody who drives a truck, especially from the days gone by knows all about this and the communications and how important communications is between truckers and how the CB radio kind of um, created a movement of uh, cultural and cultural communication standards and coolness and just went into Hollywood and you know into songs and just went everywhere. Nowadays it's not quite as important or I shouldn't say it's not as important but it's not as common it is important uh, but nowadays guys don't really want to talk on radios I've always had a big radio I've always had a radio that and still do that uh, kind of follows me around wherever I go and you know you have to sound good when you're on the radio it's kind of like a if you're a singer you have to sound good on stage well if you're in a truck, you have to sound good in the truck because you know, saying something like "bringer, in the 90s you're working. You know, you sound like a like a real reject, right? So you got to be like, "We're the goddamn cops." You got to sound good, you know. So anyway, um, Cbs have been part of smoking the bandit. They've been part of convoy. Uh, the song "Convoy," was was a huge, huge hit uh, back in, the, I don't forget what year it was, seventies or eighties. Um. They all played a huge role in in people understanding the truckers as this kind of this wall of communication on the highway, guys working together to box people in and box people out and give bear reports and give scale reports and accident reports and weather reports. And that still goes on, but not nearly as much as it used to. Um, so I'm anxious to hear from some of the guys that, that are in trucks that have CVs. I imagine Jay has. Um, yes. And maybe, yes, I had one. Yeah, to find out what, you know, what, what your feel was on the whole thing, how important you thought that was at the time when you were when you're using it.
4: Well,
1: the, well, there was a time, not so much in Canada, not so much in Canada, but running into the States, you talk to the loader. You talk to the shipper. Everything from your truck, it was all done on the CB. Okay, um, especially if you were flat deck or low bed or anything like that. Um, if you if you needed to move ahead or anything like that, I mean you communicated back and forth. It was very important. Like it was a key mm-hmm. tool. Um, yeah, so I haven't had it one. Still is. Well, you know, I haven't had a CB in a unit probably since 2008. I just, I don't, I just don't use them. Well, because I find that most of it's just a bunch of the bunch of guys whining, bitching, and moaning about the same shit they were whining and bitching and moaning about back in 1989 when I first started. I've heard it all. I don't want to hear it anymore.
2: Yeah. You know, the CB Rambo's still around, but, but oh not yeah, as much, but,
1: but the one thing I used to I enjoy, know I was. The one mm-hmm. thing I used to enjoy, I'd I'd get into a truck stop on a you know on a Friday night, and you know you're stuck for the weekend because you missed your load or whatever, and I would just turn it on and listen to the chaos. Mm-hmm. You know it was always entertaining. Like I don't know if it if it's like that anymore, but. I mean I, I I used to take my, my ex wife with me and we would just listen to the radio and, and laugh our asses off.
0: You know. How about guys, how about handles? What I want to know what you guys had as handles. Because I'll tell you mine, and you might be surprised, it might not be what you think it is. Um for some reason we had a theme of mice growing up, and I was <laughs> actually the pack rat and uh and that's appropriate if you look at my truck thank you mom um the other one was uh my dad was big cheese my mom was little cheese and then my brother was little mouse how about your handles there uh gm or jay did you do you recall what you uh, had at one time well
1: uh, mine's mine was kind of funny mine was chicken and no it's not because of me in shorts, right? <laughs> yeah, right. Well, anyway, Thicking legs. Um, I I was never into the big CB handles and the language and all that shit. I just never was. But I was. I went to a Halloween party, and I went as a cowboy with an eye patch. Well, I wasn't even thinking about John Wayne or True Grid or anything like that. And a guy (laughs) came up to me and he said, "Hey, rooster," and I said, "Rooster." So more like chicken.
4: And it stuck. Everybody started calling me chicken from that day on. And that's that's how it's comical. You know. GM. What's um, yours, GM?
2: Well, I started out. I remember when I was a kid. I actually had a CB, and at that time, uh, i You needed to get numbers, and I, you know, oddly enough, I still remember my. Uh, I still remember my CB number. Is XM oh, forty six ten seventy eight seven way back? That's that's and way then, back. I still remember it, believe it or not. Anyway, then I went to rhinestone, like rhinestone, and then after Rhinestone, and I, you know, took my cool pill, I became maverick, maverick. And now, uh, you know, I don't really use a handle anymore, and people don't usually use a handle anymore. And if I was, I'd probably just be Blacktop.
0: Okay, okay, um. Corinne, I, I don't know if you, uh, if you used a CB or you know anybody that did. Do you have anything uh, to input on CBs or, or are you, were you out of the loop back then?
3: No, I, I haven't been involved in CB radios at all. My ex-father-in-law was. He had one in the house. He wasn't a trucker, but he had one in the house.
0: Right, right. So do you remember some of the, uh, the songs back then that were related to the CB?
3: Oh yeah, I remember Convoy, and uh, Paul Brandt yeah. actually did it. I can't remember what year it was that Paul Brandt redid it, but I remember his his song.
0: Oh, there's there's been so many. Aaron <laughs> Tippin did it. Uh, I think Garth Brooks did it. Uh, there's yeah, there's just... there's been so many. It's one of the. One I even
4: used a the... CD. Oh,
0: it's one of the most re re, re- redone songs. Yeah. Going. <laughs> and. Do you remember? Do you remember Red Sovine when he was—he was, he oh, was yes. literally. Yeah. You no, know, come on, truckers, take take Teddy Bear for a ride. Remember that one? You know? Yeah.
1: And then there was Phantom yeah.
2: Three Hundred Nine. Don't think it sounded quite like that.
0: Yeah. No, I know that, I Teddy know Bear, that. You know, uh, you know that
2: Teddy Bear was a small paraplegic child, not a not a raving homosexual. <laughs> oh yeah, but Brian doesn't care.
1: You should hear what he said on one of our podcasts about Indians. <laughs> Oh, nice! No wonder, oh, no wonders, no wonder they wanted what he did to this poor native guy in a cab. No wonder they want to scalp us. Jesus! Oh, I know, I know. He needs see, Jesus. see,
0: see, Corinne, see what I mean, right?
1: Yeah, I'm pretty so, sure. I'm pretty sure. Me? I'm sure. I'm pretty sure, Brian. You could uh down. I'm. I don't know. I haven't looked, but I'm. I, I think you might want to download the Bible on the on 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 your phone i really okay. think you need some jesus
0: okay <laughs> <laughs> all right good uh, on it's a good thing it, motorhead, Marcus, good say, thing. motorhead I, is not here right now
2: oh yeah. <laughs> well, yeah he'd agree Ryan with my me. Yeah, a surprise would.
4: on the podcast oh, oh he'll be trying you
2: you listen to me. my song Brian, if you listen to my song, Diesel Kind of Guy, you'll see that I have uh, CB lingo at the end of that song, where I'm talking in the CB.
0: Yes, you do. That And that is yeah. uh, our theme song for Highway Freaks, which uh, we are getting redone very shortly by the man himself, Brent Derner, formerly of Helix and My Wicked Twin, I might add. Um, so getting back to CBs, uh, are you using them now, GM, at all for anything, yeah. or are you just... I still, okay, use, what
2: it. You I still it for? use it. Right now, I use it to just, you know, if I see a traffic problem or whatever on the uh, GPS, I'll, I'll uh, dial it up and ask what the hell's going on, or usually my, my my language is probably a little faster than that, but uh, that kind of thing, or if there's an idiot on the highway that does something stupid, I'll, like, if it was, a, if it was like a stupid... Driver or something, I'd say, What the f- going on up there, you idiot? <laughs> so <Wow. laughs> that, that's it's kind of important. It, it, it one thing it does do with the world of cell phones is it does bring you away from the uh the hidden identity thing and allows you to get back right into it. If you got to get into somebody's face or if they got to get into yours, it's real, it's right there. There's it's the guy next to you at 70 mile an hour, right. So there's none of this right. bullshit where you're hiding hiding behind a, you know, a chat room or, you know, stuff like oh,
1: that. The, yeah. Yeah. The keyboard war. Yeah.
2: Right. So CB yeah, does right. bring you back, brings you back into an old school reality, believe it or not. Well, yeah, that's right. Really that's right.
0: And, and funny gentlemen, as this sounds, but with my, uh, my new Kenworth that I'm getting here, oh. uh, in about three weeks delivered to my driveway. Yeah. I'm going to toot my horn on this. Um, <laughs> I am actually getting a CB, if you can believe oh. it. It's going to be included. So uh, I think the Highway Freak might be re- would be reborn on the CB because that well that will but probably you have be to do one handled. thing. You have by to do
2: one thing when you get that CB. What? You have to remove it from the truck when you're in. Next time you're in Ohio or one of these Iowa wherever, you got to bring it into a CB shop. And get them to peak and tune it and get a conics put in it. It'll cost you a hundred bucks, but then you've got yourself a real CB, not one of these. Hi, my name is William.
1: Well, the problem with CBs is they only push four watts. Right. Um, And that's because any more than four watts, you have to have a license. Falls under the ham radio.
0: Is that? Are you talking about having the speaker underneath the 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 engine? No. Like, no. No. Uh, and then you're you know you you input your voice and you can actually use it as a megaphone.
1: Oh no, no. that's PA. That's a that's that's just a speaker, an external speaker. You can ah, put that in your you okay. can put that in yourself. Ah, uh, don't oh, okay. get caught with it. Don't get caught with it.
0: Really? Why?
1: Well, it's illegal
0: to have a PA system.
1: Yep, you got to have a license for a. It's called public address. Oh, and if you they look don't, it up, they don't it, though. well, well, you get you get a, um, you get a cop that is just, you know, a natural
2: born prick. They'll write you up. Do yeah, you, know, you know what I remember. There's not. A... I... There's not I a Peterbilt There's not a Peter in the world that's got a that has got a four watt CB. They've all got. They're all oh no, twenty five. No,
1: no. First thing the, the first thing I did when I got mine is uh, well I bought mine at a at a at a CB shop, um, and it was already done, and they installed yeah. it and and everything else. I mean, it cost me. It cost me about oh I guess. Once the bill was settled, about five hundred bucks. That's aerials, cords, CB, everything. Well, that's the whole. That's the whole. Word, yeah. That was the whole thing, right? As, and uh, you know, I mean, and that was a long time ago.
0: And and then um, you had yeah. that giant whip, that giant whip that whole was on whip. station wagons that looked just yeah. asininely stupid. Okay. Well, um, that was so. You could, that, that was so that you could talk to God. Oh, okay. Yes, because God, God was listening well, to I, all you the know, back then. I, yeah. I swear, my my dad's buddy,
1: he was really into the into the C.B. thing, and I swear, the whip he had on his uh, st- on his station wagon of all bloody things had to be forty feet long. That's like, that I mean, that it seems to just, be
0: where you found the whips. The station you know, wagon and whips they went together. Yep. yep. You never see, like, you'd never find a a whip on a a pickup truck. That was unheard of. It was, it was always well, a, no. a station wagon. To, it was always reason. a
1: station wagon. Well, it's because they were magnet magnetic. You just stuck them on. Oh, right?
0: oh, okay,
1: yeah, well, you know, right. They, they worked. It, they, they worked remarkably well.
0: Oh, they like did. I they were, did. Uh, they they worked really, I, really well. I have to share this with you, though. I was, I can recall when Radio Shack was around, they were really big on selling CBs, but they were also selling this one album that was all uh, CB-related music. And I can remember some of the funniest songs, like, Hey "Hey Shirley, This Is Squirrely. I remember that one. Um, There was another one, uh, you know, uh, something to the extent of, uh, you know, uh, God was listening to me on the CB radio that night, and, you know, the trucker had had a crash, and, you know, he's talking on the CB radio. Uh, There were so many things that were, I swear the artists in that area were just making songs that centered around the CB. And it was a big thing. Like there was actually a dictionary that you could read. Yeah, I know. I had it. Had I had all, it. All had all the lingo in there, right? Yep. Seat covers and smokies. Yeah. yeah. You know, and, and that's that we all talked that language. Oh, you know, yeah. I, 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 I remember I, that. I remember yeah, that. you probably you probably talked fluent CB CB, where mine was a bit stilted because I never read all of that book. I, I could understand. St- I didn't talk it. I could understand it.
2: Yeah, well, there's, there's you know, little English. Like most people, most people don't have it. Like that's one of the reasons CBs aren't around today is because most people don't have it. Like it, there's a certain way of talking. Like if you're going down the highway and you want to know. If, if the scale's open, you say, how about it there northbound? What's that scale doing now, honey? There, there's a way of talking. Nuts, a chicken coop. Um, yeah, it exactly. Used
1: be, it used to be called excuse the chicken me. coop. Yeah, it's chicken too bad house, because chicken coop.
0: that language was quite unique. And, it, you no. know, you you could get away with a lot of stuff where, you, of course, no, you yeah. have to be politically correct these days. So you could never get a, a, along with, uh, you know, get out or get away with those things, like oh, the word seat covers and whatnot. Somebody, um, somebody oh, I get be, away with it. Somebody motorhead with just it. joined us. Motorhead Mark has just joined us. So we're talking about CBs there, Mark, and uh, uh, I'm sure you remember CBs. Do, do, you, uh, do you have some input on that?
5: Um, I may or may not have owned and still own a few and still have my
4: CB handle. <laughs> well,
0: you still have your
5: okay. We,
4: we all we all discussed our
0: handles. What's yours?
4: Telephone man.
0: Telephone man. Catchy. My friends used Catchy.
5: my friends used to narrow or slim it down to T man.
0: Right. Oh, right. Okay. That makes okay. sense. And and did you did you talk the lingo back then too?
5: Completely.
0: Wow, a fluent C beer. There we go.
5: Yeah, well, I back used in the to, day. I used to belong to two different CB clubs. One was the Victoria Zoo, which I was one of the found, original founders, and uh, we became they. We got activated by the Canadian Armed Forces and the Canadian government in 1996 to help um, Victoria out with the big when we had the big snow hit. And it shut the island down for like four days.
1: I, I was there. <laughs> that was over Christmas.
5: Yes, it was. Yep. It started we trans- snowing. Yep. It
4: started. Yeah.
5: We transported
1: snowing.
4: doctors and.
1: Oh, I was on a squymalt. Yeah. And I was absolutely amazed at how the community came together. Yep. I was blown away. Like that would never happen in, in the lower mainland. You'd die. Oh God. <laughs> yeah, like You would. Um, yeah. it was just, I was just floored. Um, well, what did they get? They got something like, uh, but within 24 hours, I mean, it was about three feet deep.
5: It was, yeah, it was it, it just was, over it three was, feet.
1: Yeah. It was, it, it was, was, was quite, I got a pitcher. I got a pitcher. I'm going to have to dig up and it's actually my dog standing on the snow mm-hmm. looking over the fence mm-hmm. and he didn't know what he couldn't understand it because the fence was always there to keep him in. Now he's looking over it and he, he, right. he couldn't and Mark, get it.
0: And Mark, sorry. Yeah. Uh, did you, uh, did you, uh, are you using CBs today?
5: Um, uh, I just got one the other day to mount into my tracker and, um, yeah, I've, I've still got three or four of them. I had my base station for years.
1: Wow. So, do you got yeah. the, do you yeah. got the old realistic?
5: Yep. My yeah. uh, base station is a realistic 23 yeah, I, channel with uh, alpha channels added to it.
1: I can remember and, uh, when they were the top of the line CB.
5: Yeah, they you were could not. And get I, a
1: better, you couldn't get a better one.
5: I got a couple of Cobras. Um, I've got a unit in grant. I've got a, a, uh, unit in president HR twenty-five ten, with the CB channels added to it. So it's a ham radio with the CB channels added to it. It's, uh, yeah. So it's, it's well, I got a question.
1: I got a question about, since we're on the talk about CBs, I've never, I've never seen it. I've always heard about it
4: and I've always thought it to be bullshit. What's that? Um, when you cue the mic on a on a jacked up CB,
5: yeah, you could
1: you could stall a car with points.
5: Yes, true.
1: Is it true? It is. I know you can set off. To, you have to
5: have over. <laughs> you have to have over two hundred and fifty watts. Okay. Yeah, as long as yeah. you had over two hundred and fifty watts, you could do that. You could fry another guy's radio. Um, wow Yeah Yeah.
1: Like I can remember if you had a CB in your truck That wasn't stock And yeah. you're going through an area Where they were doing any blasting They actually still put signs up Right To take to turn your, your, your radio off Because mm-hmm. you can actually Set the explosive off uh, I, know yeah. a, I, I know that's a fact <laughs> it's, It has something it to do with the It has something to do with the blasting cap
5: yeah, it does. It's frequency modulation. It's with, a frequency, uh, yes. Yeah, frequency modulation. And actually, modulation. You'll,
1: you, you'll see those signs. Actually, I just saw one a uh, couple of weeks ago on Highway Three where they're doing all that blasting.
2: Yeah, remove your transmitter. Well,
5: I started playing with CBs when you used to have to have a an XM a license. license.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I was just telling the guys I still remember buying XM forty six ten seventy eight seven. There you go. That's cool. That's great. Yeah, cool. I had
1: a, I had a CB and a police scanner.
4: Yeah, yeah so I'm me not too. telling
1: you why I had the police
4: scanner.
5: <laughs> I had a police scanner too.
2: Yeah, they were fun. I used to use my CB to my CB to get dates on a Friday night. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh you. yeah. Well, yeah. And I and it wasn't just we, like wasn't just ladies of the evening. It was other truck drivers that were women that were driving at the time. It just, believe it or not, that shit works. Oh.
5: <laughs> if we were bored on a Friday or Saturday night, we'd go up to Mount Ptolemy, A bunch of us would meet up there, and we'd play CB Tag. One guy would take off. He'd give him yeah, X I've number of minutes to run and hide. Yep. And then he'd park. He had to be in – he's not allowed to be in a private driveway and not allowed to be in a mall parking lot.
6: I and, remember uh, that.
5: And then you go five count, and you'd have to go one, two, three, four, five, and you'd look at your meter, and you'd start chasing and try to find that person. Whoever found him, he got to run and hide.
1: Yeah, I remember yeah. that. I remember that. Yeah. My dad, I, uh, I, yeah, my dad weird. used That's to true. used to go do that. Yeah. Well, so I, gave dad, time, um, I gave my dad time, man. gave my dad can of worms. Hands.
2: Uh I what's did, up with I I a can of worms, but that's okay. That's what the idea was.
1: Well when, <laughs> when my mom good. when my mom passed away, um my dad went into a depression. So I took him trucking with me. And
4: uh we ran team. We ended up running team for four years and I gave him
1: his C B handle. And his CB handle was his wrong way. <laughs> you know why? Because I would be sleeping. My dad was, a, my dad always ran north. He never ran into the States or anything like that. And our first trip, I'm sl- I'm sleeping in the bunk. And you don't really sleep when you're running team. You just kind of rest. And back in those days, we ran a four on four off. So you're you're just always a bag of crap. You're never you never resting. Mm-hmm. And anyway, all I would hear is son of a bitch. And then the brakes would come on. He took he would take the wrong overpass or on ramp or off ramp. And he was always turning around. And I gave I gave him that name. Mm. I still call
0: him okay. that. Anybody else got anything to add to our CB topic tonight? Before it it
5: could go, go on and on, Brian. It could go on and on. So It
1: can go on and on. Well, it's memories, right? I'm, we yeah. all yeah. Were oh, yeah. Around, oh
5: yeah.
1: I mean, yeah. it started in you know. 75.
4: 74 well, for
5: smoking me.
1: Smoking the Bandit. Okay. Yeah, s- smoking well, it the rough Bandit rough. started the craze. Literally. Uh, no, yeah. no, I, no, But that was the one that really shot it up. That was absolutely. the most popular. Wow. That was the most popular. I'm not
2: sure what your convoy came up, but convoy was a big part of that whole collab. Yeah.
1: Con- convoy was first. Um, yes, Jerry Reed, this, is really, this is really bizarre. Um, And I didn't know this until a few years ago because I, I like Jerry Reed. Mm-hmm. I, I always have. He played mm-hmm. Snowman, he
4: did yep. seven trucker movies mm-hmm. before before Smokey and the Bandit.
1: Hmm, really? <laughs> hmm, I, I had no that. idea. I'd I'd never even heard of him.
2: He wrote three or four of Elvis's songs too, Guitar Man and Oh,
1: you gotta watch uh, my favorite song of his is yeah. uh um uh She Got the Gold Mine, I got the shaft. Yeah.
4: He, yeah. that has he to be probably... the funniest
0: Go ahead, Bri. I said he'd probably be a good guy to do a topic on because he had an eclectic life and, uh, well, I mean, he, he didn't even get into the Smokey and the Bandit movies and, until uh, Burt Reynolds, you know, was involved with it. So, That's right. um, I think, I think well, that would make a really good topic for someone.
1: Well, Jerry Reed, Jerry Reed at one time was a truck driver.
0: Yes, he was. Um,
1: so, you know, and he was very flamboyant. Like he, mm-hmm. he was like just a fun guy. Right. I used to watch yeah. his fishing show. He used to have a fishing show and uh, I used to watch that all the time.
5: Mm-hmm. And I even he had, had, a, had a small had, variety show.
1: Yes. Yes. I mean, he was, mm-hmm. uh, um, I, I like his, uh, his interview when he was talking about how he'd date Elvis.
4: <laughs>
1: i thought that was huh. so funny well it was just the way he he did it like it it, you know it it, it was not something you were expecting right
4: well if i was a chick i'd date elvis <laughs> i'm mm-hmm. like what
0: where the hell did that mm-hmm. come from right all right well, that's a great topic, GM. Thanks for you know bringing back some memories and uh, some present memories as well. So we're going to get into a song from Fist. It's a classic called Down the Drain. Here it is on Highway Freaks. And Corinne will be back with your topic on the Grand Canyon. Okay, so we're back just ahead of Corinne's topic. I did want to mention something that happened, crazy thing that happened yesterday at the Rainbow Bridge in Niagara Falls. Now, J-Man, do you want to care to talk about it? Well,
1: see, as soon as it happened, okay, now, car, it was doing over 100 miles an hour, got airborne, and blew up. Now, it was immediately looked at as a terrorist attack none of the newspaper or none of the news agencies could get what direction it was going right to begin with they were immediately exactly. saying that it was they were immediately saying that it was a car filled with explosives before any yes. facts were out um trudeau was going to close all the borders um uh, I mean, it was just it, and with everything that's going on in the world right now, um, Canada's been threatened. The United States has been threatened. Europe's been threatened. Um, something apparently happened in in dublin. i don't I don't know. I haven't heard anything more about it, but there was a big fire or a huge explosion. But anyway, getting back to this, it was just an accident um two people died car blew up it got airborne yes it did it got it got really airborne um and by the looks of it it had the fuel t- it looks like the fuel tank got ripped up or got ruptured
0: and there's nothing it actually of the car
1: there's nothing left of it no. i'm surprised they even could identify two people
0: yeah, if anybody wants to google explosion at rainbow bridge you will see that footage yeah. and it, it's, it's wild uh, the, the the one guy that was the uh, the witness he thought it was a, a movie stunt because he said it was just yeah that's so right unreal. i watched him i watched so unreal that. well can you yeah. imagine you're at the border a car crashes through the border. Okay, it goes through a fence, explodes in midair, and you're sitting there at the border. I mean, it's just—it's so surreal.
1: Yeah. You know, it would—it would just. I mean, I watched the the video and like my jaw dropped. Like, wow. Like I saw what, the explosion. Know? I did see the well, explosion. Well, there's there's that... a, there's this there's a the border camera catches the whole thing yes and yes. it's just it happens so fast like mm-hmm. it's, you actually have to i had to slow it down to actually watch it to see what mm-hmm. happened because it happened yeah. so fast the car was it different. did it had to be mechanical it had to be a mechanical failure because you,
0: you and i were talking about that and you said that something about the throttle do you want to explain that?
1: That's what I'm, that's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking. Well, we have throttle bodies now, and you know, if they stick, they stick. You're like most are all electronic now, right? Like even in our trucks, we don't really have a throttle. It's more like a a sensor. Um, but, but you think but the guy would be honking like Mark, his horn? Yeah. Yeah, but you know what? You're going, all of a sudden, this is happening. The last thing I'm looking for is my horn.
0: Uh, I'd be screaming my head out the window.
1: Well, yeah, and uh, I'm I'd... trying not to, uh, like, he 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 avoided, apparently he avoided a couple of cars. So, shit <laughs> was going on. And I think he was just trying, yeah, I, I, he, I think he panicked. I probably would have too. you know so that's what happened mark mark Mark, you you've driven the old you've driven the old detroits right the old 80s and okay you remember their really piss poor design that if the throttle spring broke the truck went wide open
5: oh yeah it would run on for sure
1: yeah yeah next thing you know is your your full throttle um you had to pull the you had to pull the engine kill That's right. Okay. And oh, uh, we've a even design. stuffed a,
5: we've stuffed a rag in the intake.
1: Yes, in the intake. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anything. Um, that's the That's what I'm thinking happened. Is something along those lines? Mm-hmm. You know, because I know Toyotas were at one time really bad for it. Right. You'd be driving down the freeway and. You go to, you take your foot off the throttle and you know, you're, you're still going faster and faster and faster. Uh, Toyotas were horrible for it.
0: Right. I'm sure next week Um, we're going to hear something.
1: Well, I hope so. I'd, I'd like to know. Um, because it, it, it scared the shit out of a lot of people caused a lot of unnecessary, uh, unrest. um, uh, Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, the world's already a mess, you know? And of course, it happens in New York.
0: Yes, of course. You
1: know, state of New York. Yep. You know, so. You know, it 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 really. I think. I think. I don't know. I, I'm call me old fashioned or whatever. But before I say anything, I want the facts. Mm-hmm. You know, and they immediately jumped on the terrorist angle. Yes, and you know, and they really got to knock that shit off because actually
0: Pierre Polyev, Pierre Polyev, actually screwed up, and he does admit it. But today, the way that he put it, it was definitely spoken like a true politician. He said, "Well, I didn't say it was terrorist related, and it was an attack of sorts, and there was terror involved." That's exactly what he said. Is like, "Oh, come on!" That was a bit lame. Yeah, that was really lame. um, But, yeah, um,
1: I'm just old-fashioned that way. You know, I want to know what the hell, before I say anything, I want to know what I'm talking about.
0: Okay. Mm So, enough said on that. Let's get Corinne to her topic. Cruz and Corinne, you want to talk about the greatest marvel of the world, I think, is the Grand Canyon, one of them. And that's on my bucket list, so I want to hear it.
3: Okay, thank you. So on our last podcast, I talked about my visit to Moab and Monticello in Utah. Tonight, I'm going to cover, or I'm going to be continuing from Monticello heading Southwest and talk about exploring the Grand Canyon and Bryce Canyon in Arizona. At the Grand Canyon, you have the choice between the North Rim or the South Rim. Uh, Unfortunately, it is not that easy to zip back and forth between the two. As the crow flies, it is 10 miles across the canyon between the two, but by road it is over 200 miles, so it's quite a distance to to uh, go from one to the other. So for this trip, I decided to visit the South Rim. It just seemed to have more points of interest to check out on this time around. On the way to the Grand Canyon from Monticello, there is a point of interest uh, Monument Valley that I really wanted to explore, except when we arrived there we found out that they do not allow motorcycles into the valley and this is to protect the red soil from damage that could be done by the bikes so instead just had to enjoy the view of the huge red monuments while riding along the highway and even from a distance the monuments were very majestic rising vertically out of the red soil. As I was riding that morning, heading to the Grand Canyon, enjoying the scenery and the variety of rock formations, I was getting very excited, realizing that very soon I was actually going to see the Grand Canyon in person. It's uh, one of listed as one of the world's seven natural wonders, which I'd only seen in pictures and movies. As we rode up to the first viewpoint called Desert Viewpoint, uh, we pulled out to do some exploring, and this location turned out to be uh, the spot where the famous watchtower is. It's a 70-foot tall stone building that was built in 1932 and designed by architect Mary E. J. Coulter. The inspiration for it came from ancient North American watchtowers and the Pueblo Indians. When I looked at the Grand Canyon for the very first time, it was a very surreal experience it was a a bit of a spiritual experience as well where it was almost like a choir of angels should have been singing in the background there's like hundreds of years of history in this one natural wonder visually are the layers of colors in the rock formations and canyon walls different levels of plateaus all spotted with vegetation for as far as you can see it it had an interesting softness to it a lot of times, when you look, you know, out into into the distance, it'll be crisp and clear. But this wasn't. It was very soft, and it almost looked like a life-size painting in front of you. I had booked a tent site at the Mather Campground, right in the South Rim Village, and I had reserved sites for this trip a few months before, which was a good thing that I did that because there is no such thing as just randomly pulling in and getting a campsite at this campground. It's always crazy busy. The campground had great amenities, but we had to ride to the closest store for supplies, which is sometimes a bit of an inconvenience, but if you have to do it, you do it. One thing that I enjoy about traveling on the bike is the people and fellow riders that I meet on every trip and at the Mather campground uh, we met a couple of very interesting riders. One, uh, he was a veteran from Texas and he was riding a 750 Honda Shadow. He had recently left the military and was out de-stressing and riding and he had no set agenda. He was just kind of heading wherever he felt like going. Um, he, he, it was interesting because he did not wear any gear, uh, no helmet. Uh, no like boots jacket it was just like jeans and t-shirt and uh sunglasses so he almost looked like a reverse raccoon because his face and head and arms were severely burnt from the sun and the wind except for where his sunglasses were covering his face and another fellow rider met was from argentina on his way to alaska he was traveling on a BMW 1200 which he had absolutely loaded down and he even had a couple of spare tires strapped onto the bike. He pulled into the campground late at night, he had no food or water left on him, so all of us that were together at the campsite that night, we put together some food and water from our own supplies to, to get him through the night. Uh, he didn't speak any English, but he had Google Translate on his phone, so through the night we were communicating through Google Translate. Um, apparently, his original plan was that him and his wife were go- to do the trip together, but sadly his wife had passed away just before the trip, so he decided to continue with with the trip and make it a memorial ride in her honour, which was, was quite touching. We spent a couple of days at the south rim riding around the area, stopping at all the viewpoints and pullouts to see the canyon from different locations and, and different view angles. And uh, there's other activities in the area include hiking, um, mule rides down into the canyon. Uh, I, I didn't get the chance to do any of those. Um, I feel safer on a, on a motorbike than I would on a mule riding on a narrow trail going down into the canyon, so i decided not to try that. A few facts that I've, I've looked up about the Grand Canyon is that it's 227 miles long and was carved out by the Colorado River. It is the centerpiece of the Grand Canyon National Park, which is 1.2 million acres in size. The depth ranges of the canyon go from three quarters of a mile to over a mile deep. So it's no wonder that you can't see the bottom from any of the viewpoints. And at the widest point, it's 18 miles across. Okay, so we, along with checking out the watchtower, another must-see is the Tusayan Pueblo Museum. We went on a 30-minute, very informative tour learning about the ancient Pueblo village. The tour guide pointed out building footprints left on the site and what purpose they thought it had served. At the gift shop, I ended up with a stuffy stowaway, I called him, who became a mascot for the rest of that trip. Kind of like that traveling gnome, but this one was better. He is an, an Ebert squirrel, or a tassel-eared squirrel, and I can't remember how he got his name, but we were calling him Guido for the trip. He ended up in many pictures wearing my helmet, hanging out at the campsite, and viewing the Grand Canyon, and I actually still have little Guido at my place. From the grand canyon we went on to bryce canyon two highway options were 89 or 89a other motorcyclists recommended jotting off onto 89a because it was a designated motorcycle road and that road that route also took you through the marble canyon and it was well worth the extra travel time it added for for the views the curves the twisties at bryce canyon city I had booked in at Ruby's Inn RV Park and Campground. Once the bikes were unpacked and campsite set up, it was time to check out the road through the Bryce Canyon. The road is 18 miles long, with numerous viewpoints to stop and admire the multicolored limestone sediment formations. This road actually comes to a dead end, so you have to do a turnaround, and then you get to enjoy those 18 miles of curves and twisties all over again going the opposite direction. While I was preparing for tonight's podcast, I came across a list of just a few fun facts about the Grand Canyon. One is we don't really know how old it is. Uh, Two, the Grand Canyon creates its own weather. Three, there are no dinosaur bones in the canyon, but there are lots of fossils in the area. Uh, Four, there's a town and Phantom Ranch down in the canyon and five, we're missing 950 million years worth of rocks from it. So that wraps up my travel story for tonight. So Bri, you mentioned you want to go see it, uh, the Grand Canyon. Well, I, I,
0: I wanna see it. I, I've been through the Virgin River Canyon, which is a finger of the Grand Canyon. And if you go by, uh, if you if you're on your way from Beaver, Utah, and you head east, uh, you actually will bang into a part of the Grand Canyon.
3: Definitely put it on your bucket list. It's beautiful there. Oh, I'd love to see it. I'd love
0: to see it. And have you been, uh, were you were you over the Glen Canyon Dam then, Corinne?
3: No, not on
0: that trip. You... Oh, okay. All right. Okay. Because, see, the Hoover Dam, you can't, truckers cannot go. Down to actually go to the Hoover Dam, but the Glen Canyon Dam, it allows you to park on the side, and you can actually walk across the bridge, so, uh, which is really kind of nice for truck drivers like us.
1: Were you driving back when you could take when you could uh, take a truck over the Hoover Dam?
0: Um, no, there's no place for a truck driver to park. That's the problem. No,
1: no, you used to You used to actually drive.
0: Oh, you drive over the dam. Of course you do. It gets uh, you right into well, Arizona. No, they, they, they actually they actually moved the highway. When did they do uh, that?
5: Yeah, you can't drive over the Hoover Dam you anymore.
0: Can't drive it in, you know,
1: the reason they did that was because of 9-11. Um, oh. They started restructuring different areas because, um, could you imagine? Well,
0: I'm talking they, about the bridge in front of the dam. You can go well, over that's that. in front of can't... the dam.
1: No, no. Years ago, you actually go okay. over the
0: dam. Oh wow. Oh wow. Yeah, it
1: was cool. It was cool. And then uh 11 happened and they had to start rethinking things because if you stop and think about it, you hmm. get a truck full of explosives. Like uh look what that band did in Oklahoma. That was just a that was just a little little band. Look what look at the car in a Think about a tractor right. trailer. Think about a tractor well, you, trailer filled with that.
0: They used to let you drive right through the Grand Canyon, but they don't do yes, that anymore. They won't do it yeah. anymore. No.
1: Because the threat is there.
0: Well, it's You've the threat, of... but it's also it's also what tractor trailers do to roads, Jay. Well, that's right. They de- that's right. They destroy well, them. Stop, they,
1: well, you stop and think about it. Look at what one accident does. Look how much spillage. You got diesel, and I mean, you don't just got a little bit. You got 200 gallons.
0: Well, when you got a hot climate, when you get hot climate like Arizona, you get grooves in the pavement, and it's not good for guys like you and me. It's god awful. It is. It's horrid.
5: But the Hoover Dam is not paved, it's concrete. There are no grooves. That was the only way to get to and from, it was the only highway, and it was open for decades and decades.
1: And then they rerouted.
5: Mm-hmm.
0: There you go.
1: Kind of smart, it was kind of smart, really.
0: Yeah. I'm not a big fan of the groove pavement, though. That That's god-awful, that just throws Hold the trailer on, that's and- that's Yes. That is, yes.
1: I yeah. can't even imagine what it does to somebody on a bike.
3: I was just gonna say it's not fun on a motorbike either. <laughs> Everything feels squirrely underneath you.
1: <laughs> well, especially especially now you get a lot of these guys that with bikes that are pulling pulling little trailers. I mean that must just really knock you for the loop.
3: Yeah, that's scary. I there was one trip I was on, um there was a cruiser bike pulling a trail little trailer and the wind was so strong it blew the trailer oh. off off the road that took the bike it took the bike with it into barbed wire fencing oh it was a big mess yeah
0: yeah that would have i don't know how you guys drive those things and not get bugs hitting your face that just i couldn't do that
3: they do ride the bike
0: yeah Yeah, and bugs hit your face that must hurt
3: i i wear a full Full face helmet, so I don't have the bugs hitting my face unless I open my visor.
1: Well, there was a guy. There was a guy in, uh, I think it was in Seattle, that was killed by a rock. Oh yeah. And they were actually they were actually looking for a sniper. Oh wow. Uh, it was years ago, and uh, yeah, it actually looked like he'd been shot. And it turned out it was just a rock.
3: All right. There's one, there one trip that I was on that I was coming through on Highway 1 coming into Vancouver and a rock got thrown up. I don't know if it was a vehicle in front of me or if my bike front wheel kicked it up and hit my uh, foot. And oh. I could have swore that I broke my toe, my big toe, because it was hurting so bad I had to pull off. And, and walk it off for a bit. Oh, I it, bet. It I bet it hurts shit. Gets flown up at you from from vehicles. Okay.
1: okay. Well, that's that's one of the reasons why I hate having you guys behind
3: me. And I don't like being behind a semi. That's why I try nope. to get around as soon as I can.
1: I want you. I want you in front of me. Yep. Um. Because you know, if I flip up a rock. Whether it's just, it could be the size of a pea. I mean, that's lethal. Yeah.
0: You know. Okay. So we're going to play a fifth song, Give Me Love on Highway Freaks. And when we come back. Winter Driving by the J Man. Song from the house band Fist and they will be touring all over Ontario. Uh, check them out on their Fist, My Fist or uh, Fist uh Facebook page, and you can find out where they're touring. Um, they had a few that were rescheduled, I know. Uh, but check them out and you'll be able to find out where they are in that area. So winter just hit us in the face in the last 48 hours, uh, Jay and I. Um, I drove through some absolute hell. In the last couple of hours, I'm shut down in Casper, Wyoming, due to the fact that the roads are just so atrocious and so dangerous. Uh, So, Jay, I'm going to let you talk about some winter driving and, and what's happened with you.
1: Well, a lot of us have been spoiled this year. Like when you really stop and think about it, uh, winters come a little late. Not like last year. Last year it was it showed up with a vengeance.
4: Canada's had its snowstorms,
1: but you know it's Canada. It, <laughs> I've seen I've seen snow on the May long weekend, but anyway, um, you, Bry, you're in Wyoming, right? And uh, you're shut down because the roads. Um, Yesterday, I was sitting in in Denver and not wearing a jacket, nice and warm, um, waiting for a break pot. And I finally
4: got out of there. And as I was driving up north towards Wyoming, my phone binged. Winter storm warning on your route. And I'm like, what the hell are
1: you talking about? And all of a sudden I start seeing, you know, those signs they have on the free, on the highways, Uh winter storm warning for Colorado starting. I think it was, uh, I think they were, they were, they announced it for Colorado for uh, 9 PM tonight through Saturday morning. And oh, big deal i'm gonna be gone by then well as i'm
4: going through through wyoming it's getting sooner and sooner and
1: by the time i got to casper it had started to snow like nothing bad like flurries you could barely see the and so I started putting my boot into it a little bit, because I didn't have very many hours left. And by the time I got to, to Sheridan, um, it was bitterly cold. Like, it was bitterly cold. So I knew it was coming. So I looked at my, my e-log, and I still don't know how I managed to do it, but I managed to make it into Hardin, Montana. And so I got ahead of it. I got, I got ahead of it, but I ended up running into it, no,
4: into part of the storm that is hitting Butte, Montana. I, I hit that just north of uh, Billings and the roads were just
1: gross. Like I was all over the place. I mean, I was down at some
4: points, I was down to 40 miles an hour. Um, so we're really
1: unprepared for it. I wasn't unprepared for it. I don't think really you were too prepared prepared for it either, were you, Brian?
0: No, oh, no, you. no, I, I, I think I was, um, you know, the wipers falling off while I was driving didn't help matters. <laughs>
1: that, that truck of yours hates you. Oh my God. If, if Satan was, a, if Satan was a truck,
4: it'd be my truck. Be your truck. It would be your yeah. truck. Yes. It would be your
0: truck. Yeah. yeah.
4: But I'm and not
1: funny say, on my truck. It's,
0: it's that funny I you didn't say even... that because when I first came to this company, I had a name in mind. And um, I think I cursed the whole, the whole slew of trucks that I've been driving. I called it Diablo, which oh, yes. means the yes. devil so i think i cursed yep. the all the trucks i've been driving because a oh, of like them one. have been just an absolute piece of garbage so um and uh this one is no exception um but yeah no i was a little cautious driving uh yeah i handled yeah. it well i i hit a few patches of ice uh had some scares had some white knuckle moments there um you know because uh, they have this thing on here that uh, allows it to break, a 50% break application. Oh, yeah. Even, yeah. even though I uh, had snow covering the radar, apparently something, we won't say exactly what it was, wasn't working exactly right, and it decided to break on me on some ice tonight. So it put me into a fit of rage that I probably won't discuss with you in detail, but... Um, Anyway, uh, yeah, I, that was my moment, and other than that, I made it to uh, the Shoshani, uh Airport, uh, the Sinclair, and, and we're safe. So that's the main Good
1: thing. Good for you. That, that, hey, yeah. that's all that matters is that you get to where you're going safe, you know. Exactly. Um,
0: but for those freaks out there that are unprepared of the weather, what would you have as pointers that you would say – uh, you should be ready for winter driving. You know, can you throw in some pointers there, Jay? Uh,
4: unlike years ago, and I'm not that old, but let's go back to oh, 2004. Um,
1: you could be surprised by the weather like that without any knowledge whatsoever
4: okay um in today's day and age all you got to do is look look at your weather apps they're pretty bloody accurate not like they were you know 15 years ago um so if you're unprepared it's your own fault this trip was my own fault um it's the time of the year i know better i should have been paying attention to my route i never did um you know pay attention you got the technology out there use it you know uh
1: the in this time of the year especially in places
4: like certain areas of Wyoming and areas like that, um, you could
1: find yourself in a real heap of fricking trouble and no way to get out of it, especially with the way the winds are and the blowing snow and the cold.
0: Do you remember what happened to me last year? Yeah. Uh, in 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 regina saskatchewan yes at a train track that yes was scary thank corinne did did you hear about that story
3: no tell me
0: okay well it was a really bad winter and uh they had an unprecedented amount of snow in regina and yeah. they could not get to the back roads to plow them so i was taking a back road into our yard that I've always taken in the summer. So I thought, okay, no big deal. And I end up going down this road and uh, it was, you know, where a railroad crossing was. And I thought, okay, well I'll just get it across the track. And you know, it, it looks it looks a bit dicey on this one side, but the other side should be fine. As soon as I got across that track, I buried my truck to about probably three, three and a half, four feet of snow hard rock snow that had Ooh. not been plowed across that road forever and here's my trailer sitting on the track okay my truck is over on the other side but my trailer is sitting on the track mm-hmm. and i see a, a light of a train way 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 down and i okay. am freaking out freaking out um and thank god a farmer and his son came by and they, they, what they did, because we only had 45 minutes before that train was coming. And we were basically told to get that track tractor trailer off the tracks, the train would not stop. So, um, you've never seen anybody shovel 45 minutes as fast as in your entire life of hard rock snow. And I did a trick, the old oil patch trick, where you take windshield washer fluid and you just pour it all over the tires. It makes the tires yeah. sticky and, and makes them grab on. And oh. I know that the truck gods were with me that night because there is no conceivable idea that I should have been able to get back that that uh, back up my my tractor trailer. And um, I got basically onto the other side of the tracks just enough past the, the track it was probably about a good ten feet. And when that train went by, it it's like it exploded across the tracks because there was so much hard snow and stuff. And it was crazy. It literally plowed a a snowbank as it was going by. And Mm -hmm. uh, the funniest thing, this is not a word of a lie. I have the pictures to prove it. I got towed by camel towing. (laughs) Yes. We were, we were
1: making so much fun of that.
0: And I just thought this can only happen to me. And you know it, the guy shows up with a tow truck and he's got a picture of a silhouette of a naked woman on there and it says camel towing. So uh, <laughs> <it's Wow>. just, <laughs> I will never forget that. I will never forget that. So but uh Jay, for the freaks out there who do not know how to chain up, you want to tell them the proper way to chain up.
4: Um you what you do is you get out of your truck you look at the situation, and then you go to bed. <laughs> I don't chain up.
0: Uh, okay, All right. oh, that was no, that not ch- exactly uh, the unless, answer I unless, wanted.
1: No, and this is this is my reasoning behind this. It's not because I'm late. Well, yeah, I'm lazy. Okay, we won't use that. Um, this is not why I refuse to chain up. Okay, For my reasoning behind
4: if you have wait. to. If yeah, thank you, you have
1: to, and I have had to, um, I don't really think there is a right or wrong way to do it. Just take time, do it right once. Okay, if you don't let's know let's how, if it. you don't, yeah. if you don't know how, go ask another driver. Okay. All right. Can we? They'll be more it? than happy. Yeah. Well, I, I, I really can't because I, okay. my, my head don't work oh. that way i'll take see, i'll take it over from here I let, run, let me explain see, it okay? i i have a system of how i chain up
0: okay i let me explain I, my system and you can add on to it okay so this is my system all right so you're 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 basically going okay i got to chain up so you get the chains out okay the first thing you got to do is line the chains up right so the teeth are actually sticking on the outside and not the inside a lot of people make that mistake that's the first mistake they make the second mistake (laughs) they make is they do not put the chains even across the tire you should drape them even across the tire okay that's the second mistake they make the third mistake and this is the big one okay is you pull ahead just like oh so slow okay not very much and Then you'll be able to see the tail, and you match the tail with the other part of the tail in the middle. You always connect the middle first, correct, Jay?
1: Yes. Okay. All right. What are you? I use singles, so I don't know. I don't. I don't. I don't
0: use triples. Well, okay. I'm talking doubles. Okay, if it's doubles, you're you're connecting the tails. Okay, if it's singles, you don't have to worry about tails. Okay. (laughs) Right. So then what you do is you just connect them so you, 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 hook, you hook on to them, right? You just get them, get them fairly snug, not tight, okay? And then roll ahead some more and then tighten them some more, okay? And you do that to every one of them, okay? They shouldn't be loose, but they shouldn't be super, super tight as well. They should be probably just before super tight. That's how I put them on. I don't put them on so they're extremely tight and they're, you know, that they're they're biting right into the tire. Okay. That's no, you how don't. I do.
1: You want flex. You want a certain amount of flex. Otherwise, exactly. they'll break.
0: Yes. Correct. Okay. And that's how you chain up, uh, freaks out there. So if you don't do it that way, and you try to do it with bungees and spider bungees and that sort of thing your chains will fall off, and they will either take out a brake pod or they will destroy a mud flap. They could do a a lot of damage, okay? And always don't just drive for 15 or 20 miles. Check your chains. Check them, you know, five miles down the road. If they're loose, then tighten them back up. Too many people get too freaking lazy, and they just continue to go down the road, and then their chains start banging and and making all kinds of damage.
1: And if they get too loose, the if they get too loose, they start to snap. If they're too tight, exactly. they'll snap. You gotta have exactly. them so that they. Um, there's yeah. actually videos that show you how your chain should be while you're driving.
4: There's
1: and lots it, of it,
0: how-to videos on YouTube. It, it, it's it's I mean, really
1: cool how it shows it. Um, when you're driving down the road, your your chains should actually go up like a dome. And the reason they do that, the reason they do that is to keep them clean. Right. Which I didn't, which I didn't know. But if you get them, if you get them too, too tight, um, they don't do that. And they'll, they'll stretch and break.
0: Exactly. So,
1: you know, but what, because I run singles and I hate and then there's up, other guys so... that
0: run those cables which are useless as shit, right? Well, that's you know, like those. Actually, socks.
1: no. I r- I ran them for a year. I ran cables for a year, and
0: they don't they don't bite they don't bite into. Oh, mine the snow. were great. I
1: ran I ran the coke. <laughs> I ran with cables. the coke with them. Yep. Wow. I know. I only ran, and this is really funny. I um, I only had up one pair. This is before all the bullshit laws came out, but mind you, now you got to think about this. Um, I was never heavy, right? I was I right. I, I I was hauling maybe if I had ten thousand pounds on the nose of my trailer, I had a lot. So cables were fine for me, and
0: See, I I go back to the oil patch when you had those 150 oh. pound chains. And yeah that, the that yeah oh yeah the
1: backbreaking the backbreaking so, yeah like i i, I ran
0: to chain up a drive set of drives
1: easy you know, I, oh easy yeah like i ran the i ran the highway to hell for oh shit every night for two years
0: I might have even seen you on t v
1: uh no, i've never i i've never even seen them film it
0: well if you, if you make the tv then usually that's a bad thing so, so you know there you go that's that's how you chain up guys yeah. um you know and that's the proper way to chain up so yeah i don't uh, like i said that, like do you got anything to add to the winter driving that you can throw on as well let's just forget about well, we'll chains for now okay, well what else would you say you need for well, winter driving? well right
1: now the um and I'm not going to say it's the new guys. I'm not going to say it's the old guys. I'm not going to say it's anybody. I think it's just the idiots. Back the. f***. That's okay, true. it's snowing. That's the true. roads, the roads are. I had it. I had it happen today. I had an yeah. idiot go by me. Now, I, I, the roads weren't that bad. They were snow covered. I was doing about, I guess, sixty. I wasn't flying or anything. I was just kind of uh, a nice flat air section of uh, in Montana when you're coming up just before you hit the hilly part before the scale
4: Mm -hmm.
1: coming coming towards um, Great Falls there, and uh, I'm just chugging along. And I had a guy go by me in. I don't know. I'm not going to say the company. Um, he's lucky he doesn't work for me because he'd be unemployed. He went by me probably at,
4: oh, 70. His trailer almost okay. hit me because it was fishtailing. So
0: so let's talk about other stuff on the checklist. You should have a shovel, 100%. Okay, You should have a shovel yes. behind Carry a sweeper, shovel. Okay? Yep. You have to have a shovel. You should have two snow brushes because one will break trust me
1: oh yeah they always do they always do
0: (laughs) you should have you should have an ice scraper you don't use a knife or something you're going to scrape the shit out of the the you're going to scrape the headlights you need a proper scraper Scraper. because yeah because one thing about these wonderful led lights they don't heat up and that was one of the Dumbest things the the old ones that heated up were great so they didn't get illumination yeah they were yeah okay so um that would be another thing i would suggest another thing i would suggest is you have a pair of coveralls because if you go out there and you start chaining up you're going to get soaked okay you better have chain up gloves and those are special gloves that go up higher and they're a little more thicker to use okay very important have more than one tee Okay? Or, or you can call it a J-hook, whatever you want to call it. Okay, um, So you could tighten the chains with. Very important. Okay, And uh, make sure that you have plenty of liquids on your truck at all times. Because if you get stuck and you can't drink water, you're in trouble. Because you don't want to eat the yellow snow.
1: <laughs> no, you do not.
0: No, you do not. And actually, eating snow is a bad thing. It actually dehydrates you. If you and everybody thought that it actually, uh, you know, gives you nourishment and uh, as a form of water, no, it, it actually dehy- you gotta, it dehydrates you. You, you know, well,
1: why you have
3: to boil it?
1: It takes it takes so much. You actually got to boil it.
3: Yeah, you have to boil it before you. Oh, eat okay.
0: It. okay.
1: Okay, and it believe it or not, it takes a lot of snow to make a cup.
0: Right, right.
3: <laughs> a
0: cup of snowy coffee for Jay. You okay, know. so um, other things that's... you need, uh, you definitely need winter clothing on your truck, winter boots, good winter boots with good soles. Okay, I see I see guys wearing sandals out.
3: Oh, I know. Weather. I'm not, I'm I not know. even going to
0: mention it. I see guys wearing flip-flops. I see guys wearing uh, runners. It just will not work when you're on pure ice, guys. So that's what I suggest you do, okay? It helps uh, even my dog, Bandit has winter boots okay that's another thing i want to get off on a tangent if you have a dog and it's minus 10 or below your dog feels the pain of those that cold pavement that cold weather get him some boots okay if you need to get boots google it there's a number of places i recommend Muttlucks. best best dog booties in canada and i'll i will keep uh, you know, pledging their name because they have the best boots by none. Um, I've got probably three pairs of boots for Bandit, and he goes out and he is the best dog on mutlucks that you've ever seen. Uh, I've got plenty of videos, and uh, I will gladly share with them uh, with you if you want. Uh, say, "Well, my dog won't do that." I know Jay, your dog won't do that. Your <laughs> dogs are stuff Your I will, your give, dog's a stubborn, I will
1: give you. I will give you a thousand dollars. If I get the videotape and watch you put try and put booties on that dog, <laughs> challenge you. You got you got a better chance of catching a greased pig. She'll bite <laughs> you. She'll bite <laughs> you. Scratch really? you. Oh, you oh, she, You do not touch her feet
0: or her. I'm paws. lucky with Bandit. I'm very lucky with Bandit. So um, and Hondo, yeah.
1: Hondo. If you put if you put booties on Hondo. He lays down he won't go outside he
0: won't walk wow yeah do you have any dog booties for your dog corinne
3: i don't have a dog at the moment
0: oh okay i thought you i thought you might so no, i have okay. a I have a
3: cat i uh, when i had my two little dogs i did and i was living on the prairies i did have jackets for them when i take them for quick little walks
0: yeah they need that exactly okay so we're gonna break and we come back I'm going to tell you about my very, very short-lived career as a yes. flatbed hauler, and oh. uh, it's it's funny. So, uh, yeah, it's it's pretty comical, and it truly is a sin. And that's uh, from oh. Fist on Highway Freaks. of course today is uh thanksgiving for the americans uh they uh they celebrate their thanksgiving literally a month before christmas i don't know how that worked out i still think that uh you know it would be great if we all got on the same page in october and and we could both celebrate thanksgiving but hey happy thanksgiving all you usa people that are listening to highway freaks uh i know you're watching football today and uh there was some there's about three games and uh, I know my Cowboys won. they won 45 to 10 over the Washington commanders and I know the Seahawks got just annihilated by the 49ers 31 to 13 and uh, the Green Bay Packers did a number on the Lions 29 to 22. So um, of course it's football today and then back to hockey tomorrow so okay so. Um, a lot of people ask me, hey, Bri, you should flatbed haul. That's where the money is. And I've got a lot of friends that flatbed haul, and they're making good money. Well, Bry Guy doesn't play that game. And I'll tell you why. <laughs> Way back when, he worked for a company, and I can mention the name, Northern Industrial Carriers yep. out of Edmonton. And um, their training program was a bit of a joke. Uh, it was like going in a room... And watch three videos, and you are trained to be a flatbed hauler. That was it. That was it. That was my training. And there was no going out and actually do the practicum where you know you were actually strapping loads. Nope, nope. That was it. Do that, take a multiple choice uh, test, and you're you're it. You're you're the, you're the guy. And they just literally give you the truck, and there's the load. Go to it. Well, that's basically what it boils down to. Okay, so, and that's really what it was. That's exactly what it was. It's like, you know, uh, so the first load was a dry van load, and it was uh, full of tools. It was going to the shell, uh, you know, in, in Cochrane, the shell plant. And I thought that doesn't seem too hard, right? Okay, um, I you know, they were going to give me a bit of a reprieve. They said, we'll we'll get you a flatbed load. After you do this load. So I thought that was be really easy and um, it turned out to be an absolute nightmare. Um, I missed the shell plant. I ended up going down a road and uh, down a hill and um, make a long story short. I literally uh, had to get towed up the hill by a uh, another tractor uh, to get me up the hill. Once I got up the hill, uh, I thought everything was hunky-dory, and uh, I was still still had my chains on. And I'm giving you the short version of this because the long version takes a lot longer, and we don't have two hours more on this podcast. But anyway, um, I I took that dry van, and there was a there was a real big huge ditch in front where I was to drop this this uh, this trailer full of tools. And, of course, it was snowing, and um, I ended up sliding and taking the front end of the tractor, dropping it in the ditch, and I had to be pulled out by a scissor lift. So, that was fun. And so, then I get this call saying, hey, we got—we need you to to get a load uh, from Calgary to uh, Red Deer. Now, they were making, uh, at this time, they were making this parkade, and I had no idea what I was about to haul. So, when I pull in the yard... And they told me, there's your load. Go to it. It was this massive, massive, massive arcade piece. I'll call it a piece because it was like, generally, it was just like a, a big cement slab. And it was on a it was on a pivot. The reason it was on a pivot is because uh, they couldn't have it flat because it would crack. So it was like, there it is. Go to it. Strap it up. Get it to Red Deer. Here you go, Bri. Well, I had absolutely no clue how to strap this load, and um, it started to rain, and I had to get out and strap this load, and I was soaked. I had just put on clean clothes prior to that, and um, so that was lots of fun. And I had no clue what I was doing. This this old this guy, this old guy, they called him Cowboy. He helped me. Uh, thank God, because I had no idea how to strap the load. So there you go. He says, "I got to help. I helped you out there." go to it he said the ride's gonna be a bit bumpy well yeah it was really bumpy all right every time that concrete slab kept pivoting I was airborne in the truck like out of my seat and uh I thought well you know I finally got out of Calgary and I I managed to to get it all the way to uh, uh just before Red Deer and I thought well I'm gonna veer off to Sylvan Lake You know, and stop in to see the wife, a little bit of nookie, have some fun. And, uh, you know, she said, well, let's call the uh, local police and find out where we could park it. So we decided to park it in front of the fairgrounds in Sylvan Lake. And it was hard ground. There was no snow. But I don't know much about the physicalities of a flatbed load. And so when I parked it, it was all fine and dandy. You know, pull it in on the soft ground. You know, tractors on the cement. Let's go. So I go home, come back in the morning, and what do you think happened, Jay? Let oh. me
1: guess. You 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 sunk.
0: Yes, yes. Did I ever? Oh, did I ever? Oh my God. Oh yeah, I <laughs> sunk really bad, really really up, bad. Up up, I did, up
1: to the axles, didn't you?
0: Pretty much. Pretty much. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. You bet. And here I am in dry clothes, and now I got to get out again and put the damn chains on. And think in my wildest dreams I can pull this thing out. Okay, well, um, no, you know the properties of physics pretty much says I can't. And I tried, I tried, I, I tried, you know, you know, rocking it back and forth. And, you know, I I flagged down a couple grocery trucks, and you know they had some tow ropes, and I snapped their tow ropes, and they weren't too pleased. Um, and you know, basically I couldn't do anything. And back then you could write checks for anything. You could write postage. Oh, checks. Oh yeah. they were they were good as gold. So I uh, I, I hoofed it down the road, like a couple miles down the road, and I found this towing uh, company and. I wrote them a post dated check. I was notorious for that back in those days. Write a post dated check, you know, it bounces, go to another bank. <laughs> anyway, so any, so I wrote this post dated check. They come out there, and, you know, um, my drive shaft was blue. So, not a good thing because I kept trying to, you know, it was back, oh. it was a manual. So, I, I, and so what I had done is I destroyed all the top end gears. I had no idea. I only had low gears. So this guy, this guy for the parkade shows up, he goes, he goes, are you? So, so, so I said, yeah. He says, well, you got to get that to the parkade. And I go, yeah, yeah, I know. He says, okay, let's go follow me. Well, as soon as he pulled me out, as soon as he told me out, I realized I, I didn't have any top gears. I was like, nothing, I couldn't, like, so I knew as soon as I started climbing the hill out of Sylvan Lake, I was done for, and sure enough, I start climbing that hill out of Sylvan Lake following this guy, and it just goes, just wouldn't go into top five, six, seven, you know, and uh, so I call and tell them my story, and they go like, okay, so um, we'll just send a, another truck to pick it up and so there I am so I'm thinking well I'm gonna get fired no 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 they decide to give me another load I will give you another (laughs) shot at it this is where it gets this is where it gets real fun okay um so they go hey we want you to take up a load of steel up to the Fort McMurray plant okay no problem so they show me this nasty nasty load it's all it's jagged steel it's not uniform one's one. It's going one way, the other's going the other way. It looks like somebody just threw it on the flatbed, right? And I got to strap this thing up. And I probably put like, oh, I don't know, probably 30 straps on it, strapping it this way and that way and this way and that way. I have just no clue what I'm doing, really. And I'm going, okay, what could possibly go wrong? So I'm on my way to the shell plant and, um, there's uh, there's two roads you take to get to Fort McMurray. I overshot the one road, and it's like, oh, crap, where am I going to turn around? Well, in my infinite mind, I thought, well, I'll just back down a farmer's driveway, jackknife it into oh. the farmer's driveway, and then turn around <laughs> and start heading the other way. Jay, what uh-huh. happened to me? What oh, to you got stuck, didn't you?
3: I overshot
0: the driveway.
3: Uh, Ended up in the
0: ditch. I had the flatbed ended up in the ditch and the tractor was on the road. Exactly. But the tractor now is on the road where I was trying to make a turn to the left. So I got the tractor on the road, but I got this massive, massive amount of steel on a flatbed sitting on an angle into the ditch. Exactly. And it's sinking. So... I'm thinking, oh, I'm in trouble now. Yeah. Okay, what am I going to do? The only thing I'm hoping at that point is that the police don't come by, that, you know, maybe a flatbed comes by and just pulls me out and I'm out of it. Well, again, the theory of physics states that if you've got something that's heavy, that's sitting in the ground on an angle and you got the, the tractor sitting on the road, you're probably not going to have much luck. And I flagged down about 15 bed trucks, big ass bed trucks. They could not pull me out. And they had big winches and everything. Not a prayer, right? And so I'm kind of shitting bricks by this time. I'm looking at my time. I had to be there like over an hour and a half ago. And I'm late, obviously. So I'm thinking, well, what can I do here? And then my worst fears come true. Guy in the highways department pulls up. Right? (laughs) Oh no. Oh no. Prior to that, people were going around me. Yeah, they're honking their horn at me, but nothing nothing, you know, that was really noticeable. And then he starts putting out cones and pylons and blocking the road both ways, right? And then the police show up oh no things are just going to get worse and then i turn on the radio and then i hear there's a truck driver on such and such and it looks like he's gone up the road you don't want to go down that road so now i'm notarized on tv or on the radio so i don't know what to do at this point point. and this guy goes i i can probably help you out there young feller and i go really he goes, yeah. I got a friend that's got a giant combine tractor. He'll pull you out of that. I go, no. And of course, yeah. Well, it'll cost you. So Brian pulls out his his, his checkbook again. <laughs> I'll write you a check. <laughs> so, so, yeah. I was famous for that. So, um, so I decided, hey, I'll write you a check. So, and by that time, I had cars blocked in both both directions. Like I was, I was a spectacle, right? And. Uh, this this massive, massive combine shows up. Just the biggest John Deere combine you've ever seen in your life. It, it just made a tractor trailer look small by comparison. And he puts out this giant, massive, thick rope, right? I mean, it must have been like four feet thick. And he strings it straight across the road, way, way, way over to, to a field. And, like, it's probably about, oh, it's probably a good 40 feet of rope, right? And, uh... He says, "Okay, hold on. He's gonna pull you out." And I think, I think, like the truck gods were again on my side that morning because he starts pulling me out. But as he starts pulling me out, okay, the trailer starts rolling up the pavement like carpet, Oh, right? oh no! <laughs> oh, and I've never, I've never seen pavement rolled up like carpet, and. I, yeah I got out, but there's like probably a good five ten feet of pavement that's just all chewed up right, and um, that was pretty the much the end of Brian's flatbed career at that point they They had to you know uh terminate me, and um, I think the final bill on the pavement was like fifty thousand dollars or something, you know, so. That oh, was the end of it, and that's why me, me. I never, never flatbed Hall ever. I literally had three incidents. I loved it. <laughs> I'm I loved glad it. you did. I'm glad you did. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's quite the story, and I'll well, never flatbed.
1: Yeah, I bet you that you never ran over the chief of police of Richmond.
4: Well,
1: you did what? That? You did. That? I did. Oh, f- <laughs> I went right over top. I went right over top of his f- car in Richmond.
4: I well, did that.
1: <laughs> I even know the guy. Even know. Well, it's. I was hauling. Have you ever hauled paper? Yeah. The the giant rolls of paper.
0: Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. That well, when I was training.
1: Actually. Well, I was hauling a. I was hauling a load of that from Surrey to Vancouver Suns the Vancouver sun um, depot in Richmond. And you go down okay. Steveson highway right off the, well, it's seven o'clock in the morning of a Friday. And I'm, I'm in my cab over and I'm just, I I'm just snorting along and the light turns green and there's a truck. I'm not going to say the company name, but I, I I know the company name. I can still see the truck. He's making a right-hand turn onto Steveston. Well, this car, I didn't see him until the last minute, whips around him and goes runs through the intersection. Well, I got the green light, and I f- just went right over the hood of his car. Damn near tore wow. the front axle off my truck. Um, Did he get charged? I thought, well, no, it was his fault. He ran the light. Oh. He pulled right out in front of me. I almost, uh, I took out a bus stop because he knocked oh, my man. steering, he knocked my steering I, crooked.
0: I didn't. I can't say I took out a bus stop. I took it out. I've taken out stop signs, um, yeah. but I've never taken out a bus stop. I could also tell you that uh, when I was, when I was hauling cars, now that's another story. Oh my God, that's another story. But oh, I will man. tell you that I wiped out, I wiped out three in front of a, a dealership in Edmonton. Just went right through them. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, Raising it was so rope. it was it was so funny because uh, they fixed my truck. They did it. You don't ever want to get into an accident with a cop. Um, you will find out what crook it is. Like this was seven o'clock in the morning. There was no one around. All of a sudden, there was a whole crowd of witnesses that I never even. Oh yeah, there was witnesses everywhere. Um
7: And what did they? But say? there was
1: no, Well, there was no one around. There was no. There was no witnesses. This was an industrial area at seven o'clock in the fricking morning. It's only trucks
4: but what he was on so his way to work
1: yeah, they were all f- cops <laughs> so I ended up winning. I ended up winning, but you never ever want to get into an accident with one because they will do no, everything under their um they you're f- like now with dash cams and all that stuff its it's pretty much not an issue but um oh yeah all of a sudden you know there's you, you get into an accident and there's two people at the scene you go to court and all of a sudden there's 300 people that witnessed the accident and they all work with the guy
0: right and then you're you on know. social media tomorrow
1: you know yeah, you don't um
0: yeah you don't want to do anything now so well
4: what um, what saved my ass was They had just put in a new thing called red light cameras.
1: And that's what saved my ass. Caught him running. You said
0: that I just heard on the news tonight uh, that they are actually discontinuing uh, red light cameras at in Calgary, Edmonton uh, on the ring roads. They said, so I was really happy to hear that. They Why? said that it, they, they do not want it to be a source of income. They will only put oh, it in school zones and construction zones, which we all already knew that red light cameras never, ever, ever were in the name of safety. They were all in it's a cash grab.
1: We all knew that. Well, okay? when they first started, when they first came
4: out, as soon as the light turns red, the camera starts recording.
0: Oh, I know, and okay, people are slamming that, on their brakes. That, it, it was more dangerous.
1: Well, nobody knew nobody even knew about these things in 1991. They were a pilot project. They weren't even being they were only being installed in certain areas to see they how they would source, work. Now, now they, they are, they
0: are a source of income for a lot now of they, small
1: now. Um, they are, yes. Um, okay. uh, Vancouver, they have cameras you can't see. And what it is is in the light itself, behind the red light, is the camera you You don't even know it's there,
0: oh wow, that's just that's just wrong and, so,
1: and yeah. no it's it, it's not for speeding you can't like if you're speeding, you won't get a to it's to monitor accidents it's in it's in areas that have a high fatality rate. And a high pedestrian accident rate. That's all it's for. Um, It it, it helps with the investigation. You can't get fined by it. Like if you run a red light, you're not going to get a ticket in the mail. You get into an accident running the red light, the footage is there.
3: Then I'm still having cameras.
1: Now with now with dash cams and everything else, those have pretty much become obsolete because everybody in their every car has a has a dash cam. So Wait,
0: if and, and every and every truck does too. We have cameras. That's right. Everywhere, like I mean. And, so and now, if
1: they're in, like Kelowna, hold on, in hold in on Kelowna, here. they're and using now, it as cash.
0: Yeah. But I mean what I'm saying is and now some cameras are even aimed at the driver. And now that'll never happen in my truck.
1: I I mine's covered. You wanna watch me you get in the passenger seat and fight with the dog for the seat.
0: I know I I know one guy and, and I and I kid you not, and this guy actually did it. Um he uh actually decided to uh Shake his willy in front of the camera <laughs> they were watching him, and he 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 got shit for it. But you know what? Well, they they stop they stopped looking at him. Yeah, they can't. Well, it's illegal. It's illegal. It is an invasion of privacy. I it agree. is. And, all right. Um, so we got one more song, and uh, then we uh, go into the Highway Freaks Eye Opener interview. With uh, Brian Vollmer of Helix, part one. So this is a song that Joan Osborne originally did, yes. and um, I love the story of this. Uh, I can remember talking to Jeff Nystrom of Fish uh, Fist, and he says to me, he says, uh, he says, "Yeah, I'm sitting in traffic, and I hear the Joan Osborne song come on. One of us. That and Karen, you probably remember it. You know, what if God was one of us, just a slob <laughs> like one of us? Yeah. Anyway, so." Jeff phones up Ron. Ron's the lead singer of Fist, and he says, "Got a great song for you," and he starts telling Ron about this song. and He goes, "Man, dude, I'm not religious." He says, "Just hear me out." He says, "Do that song, and you'll discover it's it, that we can we can make it a hit." And I'm telling you, when Ron sings this song, and you hear it, he, not only did he make it one of the original, like you know, the band's song, but just the the twist that he has on it and it's really really good it's very good so uh i'm very happy to put this on and it's taken from their new album alive by the way um and if you really like this song and you want to purchase fist merchandise go to rock paper merch and uh, you'll be able to actually get this song along with their new album and it's called one of us on highway Freaks.
8: and we live in a sadly sick society going to go and men they, that they, they can find peace of mind in fear they're going to go to hell because they are dead they try to eat People their weight their
7: sin.
8: they try to drink their weight of flesh they're going to smoke go to, to, to hell smoke their because weight they ecstasy. hell
7: God forbid.
0: said an original from ron chenye the band fist and one of us well we got some pylon shout outs before we get into the brian volmer helix interview and it is so good guys uh so much information um this guy was just he was just a wealth of stories over the years, uh, 45 years of Helix. So I think you're really going to enjoy part one. But Pav is back with us. He was doing a few things earlier and about feeling under the weather. Uh, I think you're feeling somewhat better now, Pav. You got some Pylon shout outs. Do you want to do a shout out?
2: Oh, yeah. My week was not bad other than just my health. So I was with my uh, friends and my sister. They took care of me. It was really good. So my sister and my sister-in-law they will both get the red one they were really helpful i will give the black one to one of the workers in the warehouse i think he was the one who was sick and i told him if you're not feeling good just take a day off and he said no i'm good and now i'm suffering here as well so yeah it was it was a long week for me man
0: but i'm back here and good to be back okay and we had some people under the weather, too, from the panel. Uh, Tony B is under the weather, and uh, Ghost Hunter Greg is fighting something as well. And uh, uh, we're going to give a shout-out to both of those guys, uh, and hopefully they feel better in time so they can come back on our podcast and fill our, 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 our podcast with fun and frivolity. Uh, Corinne, what's your Pylon shout-out?
3: Oh, for the red pylon, I would like to give that to my friend, Cheryl, who's been continuing to help me with my uh, bookkeeping business that I'm getting off the ground. And blue pylon, I'd like to give to Pav for sticking it out, even though he's not feeling well, so that we could do the podcast tonight. Oh,
2: and, good
3: for you. <laughs> and the black pylon, I'll just do our, our usual default and throw it at Trudeau.
0: Yeah. Right. Cover the cover 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 Aaron there because she always gives him one. Yeah. So yeah, thought he, thought
1: yeah to cover so or oh, or yeah. illustrious leader.
0: Yeah, well I've <laughs> I've got one for my my new lease agent Mark. Um, he's going to be listening to this podcast. I've told him about it, and um, I'm so thrilled that he's going to deliver my new 2023 Kenworth T680 to my driveway in three weeks i won't be there i won't be there till probably around christmas time but um, i am really thrilled that he was able to do that for me and uh, i'm also giving another pylon shout out to an amazing lady lori um, at uh, this new employer that i'll be working at uh, in the new year and uh, she just took care of everything Um, just an amazing woman so um, i give her a huge red pylon shout out okay and now the black pylon shout out who on earth would that be well it would mm-hmm. be the repair shop at the company i work for because they decided to take my uh, uh extension cords out of the power inverter stick them in the bottom i have no clue why somebody would do this because really it's just something that uh, is really easy for me to plug in my instapod and my air fryer. so Boo-hoo on you guys, and I think you suck. So there you go. So those are my pylons. Jay, you have the final pylon shout-outs.
1: I have got
0: a black,
1: nasty, nasty black pylon shout-out to that useless scumbag premier of British Columbia that is going to keep both carbon taxes regardless of what the fed does Oh really Yo I yeah know. I oh, hope really? that guy trips falls on his ass and dies
0: Well that's a little harsh Just say he gets Why back. that's
1: that's that's obviously where the prick's brain is is in his ass
0: huh. Okay I didn't know Wow heard about that. Okay. Do you have, do you have any red or blue ones of, an, of a positive nope. nature? Oh, well,
4: um, <laughs> I, I can't say anything nice about my dog.
0: Oh, thank you for reminding me. We have, we do have one final pylon for my boy, a blue one. Cause he's a boy. Um, bandit turned 10 years old. Oh. Yes. And, uh, he, uh, he, it's a late belated birthday pylon shout out for him, but, um, he continues to make me laugh every day and he continues to swindle people out of wiener <laughs> and chicken fingers at truck stops all across North America. So thank you, Bandit. Well, I, I, I can't, I can't
1: say nice things about Zephyr because every time I do, she gets this look at me attitude and she just becomes unbearable oh, totally go! totally she, goes to her she go, it goes to her head, her head
0: she's chills. the princess
1: oh so yeah. there you go okay <laughs> all right i do so, gotta I, I do gotta tell you um you know those groundhog things right you guys have them all over in alberta yeah well, where I was loading, I, di- I didn't know they had them in in Colorado. Well, where I was loading, um, Zephyr caught one. Nice. I shit you not. I had to, I had to chase her around. She wouldn't let go of it. F- screaming, <laughs> everybody's watching me. They're okay. loading my truck, and I'm chasing Zephyr around. She won't let the damn thing
4: go.
0: Well, that's all because as I look out my window, there's three feet of snow. <laughs> and it's so so disheartening they just plowed it and you never know they plowed it it drifted all in and there's about three feet of snow Bennett will definitely have to put on his booties because that is a lot of freaking snow well they were so,
1: they were calling they were calling for like minus 20 is that what it is down
0: there minus 15 with the wind chill right now. yeah yeah so yeah Casper yeah. Wyoming Wyoming means wind, by the way. That's yeah, a indigenous I know. term. I know. Yeah, I know. And it's appropriate. So, okay, well, so it's... let's go to the eye opener. Thanks, guys. It was great. Unfortunately, Mark had an emergency he had to attend to. Yeah, that's to, too bad. So that's he too bad. We'll do the Richard Mall death bio next week on podcast number fifty-six. So, taking us out is another great song by Fist. So appropriate. We're all crazy on Highway Freaks. <laughs> The eye opener's next with Brian Vollmer and Bryguy. Guy. Have a great week. Make people on you.
7: It's on you. It's on you.
0: with Bri Guy, your host from the Highway Freaks Podcast. And this is my stage. I ask the hard-hitting questions, highlighting rock bands from the 80s and sharing a laugh or two. How about celebrities or recent people in the news? Maybe even my trucker brothers and sisters with their stories or unique pets, animal lovers, charities, or just that odd person out there making the headlines, or even something totally off the wall. So let's set your sights now to another Eye Opener guest. Yes, welcome to the eye-opener from Highway Freaks. I'm Bry Guy, your host. And, you know, I was 20 years old working as a first-year radio announcer back in Port Hardy, British Columbia, back at CFNI Radio. And I'd interviewed the likes of Ray McGuire, of Trooper. I actually had breakfast with him. Uh, We had a country western star, John Connolly. I can remember uh, even little Joe's girlfriend, Angel Carter. And then I listened to this... uh, band called helix and um, i go wow that that song rocks right and i'm thinking i have got to interview that guy brian volmer one day if he ever comes to port hardy i've got to interview that guy and the stories he could tell 39 years later i'm a long-haul truck driver never in my wildest dreams would i think i would be doing an interview in cleveland mississippi talking to you from fort myers florida and uh here we are so welcome to my eye opener show brian uh absolute pleasure to have you on here so let's start off with some rough beginnings like where did it all start for helix and where on earth did you get the name of the band there?
8: Again, 1974 in Kitchener, Waterloo, Ontario. Uh, We got together because of the Battle of the Bands, which was uh, thrown by Sherwood Music. And uh, we got management uh, through Bill Sipe, who worked as an agent down at Dram Booking Agency in in Waterloo. Uh, Initially, we were called the Helix Field Band, and we had picked that out of a a science textbook at school, and then Bill Seif got us to shorten the name uh, to Helix, and we went on the road, and we started out in uh, eastern Ontario in Deep River uh, by Petawawa, and then uh, we went to Arm Pryor, and for the next, I think, geez, uh, nine years, we uh, traveled back and forth uh, through the bars in Canada from coast to coast. And then we got signed, okay. and then the rest is history. We took off, we did uh,
0: conscious, And it was rough, too, because I'd heard that, uh, you know, they would request songs with ashtrays. What's that about?
8: All those bars there was a proliferation of bars in 19... I'd say 1966 and 1976. Rock and roll just coming into being in North America, and a lot of these bars were we're changing over to entertainment before there was no such thing as bands playing in bars. And suddenly there was Uh, a big contributing factor to all this was the fact that they dropped the drinking age in Canada, most provinces from 21 to 18. And there was three years of the population, which suddenly could legally get into bars. And, uh, it was a bonanza for bar owners and for bands. If you could, uh, Play a harmonica and keep beat, and you were in. So um, there was a proliferation of uh, uh, bars back in that time, and uh, that, that's where we started and went and wrote. And uh, uh, about 1976 is when we started, and then we got signed to capital E of mine about 1983.
0: Okay, and the, the thing is, you started as a cover band for a guy named Dell Shannon. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Well, you kind of
8: combine two things there. We weren't a cover band for Del Shannon. We were Del Shannon's band. And right, Del Shannon, right. uh, for, the, for those of you that don't know, Del Shannon uh, was uh, such a big star that the Beatles and the Rolling Stones uh, both backed up Del Shannon. And uh, we were booked via as band through dram agency and uh, specifically an agent called bill jeff ross who worked at dram and the way it worked was this the young green band in case of us it was us uh they'd pair up with the rock and roll star Doll shannon freddie cannon uh, jerry lee lewis uh, tina turner and uh the star would fly into town and the band would know the songs and then they'd meet the band have a rehearsal and then they'd play for anywhere from two weeks to two months and then they'd fly back to wherever they came from well we were asked to be the band for Del shannon and um we learned all these songs and uh, then Del shannon flew in to uh, pearson international airport and just after about six months of trying to learn these songs Now, remember, we were green kids. We barely knew how to play, and we had to learn songs like My Little Runaway, and we had the synthesizer because at that time we had keyboards and hats off to Larry and Little Town Flirt and Run Around Sue. And uh, the agency would keep coming out, and they'd make sure that we were learning the songs properly. And then that fateful day came when Del Shannon finally arrived, and they sent me and my... Uh, to pick him up at Pearson uh, uh, International Airport in Toronto. And I drove up there in my $25.67 Ford Galaxy with the V8 engine, and I had uh, snow tires on in the middle of August and Bondo red fenders. And I picked <laughs> up Del Shannon at the airport, and he must have wondered what the hell he was getting himself into. He gets into my car, and I'm I'm going down the 401 about 80 miles an hour, and uh, that car was just a shake, and he's holding on for dear life. He says, look at it, he says, if you slow down, drive the speed limit, which was 60, he says, I'll uh, buy you a steak dinner. So they say the quickest way to a musician is through his stomach. So they pulled over, and we had a steak dinner. And after supper, we proceeded down to the uh, coronet, where the band was busy practicing at the uh, crown room of the coronet. The coronet had three floors. They had the pit and the bottom where all the Saints Troy sung out, and the middle room, which ran on weekends only, then the top room where all the recording acts played. So we were in that room because we were Del Shannon's band, and I got there, and the guys are running over the songs that they'd taken us six months to learn, and Del Shannon walked in and immediately started changing the keys of the songs and um, throwing in bits that uh, we had never heard of before, and we're all freaked out because... You know, we don't want to screw up and make idiots of ourselves. But anyway, after practice, we go up to the rooms and there's uh, we walk in and there's Brent. Uh, <laughs> do, there's Brent doing hot knives. Because <laughs> back then, back then, uh, our manager, Billy, got Brent to quit smoking cigarettes. So instead <laughs> of smoking cigarettes, Brent smoked uh, hash oil from the minute he woke up. So the minute he went to bed, he smoked so much ash oil, they carried around a vial uh, on a blowtorch and, and buttered two butter knives. Anyway, uh, Del Shannon opens the door. There's Brent doing hot knives. And Del Shannon goes, what are you doing? Brent goes, we're doing hot knives. He says, here, try it. He, Del just are you trying to do Burmy or what? Del, and Brent goes, no, no, we're doing hot knives. So he shows him how he's done. Del goes, well, let me do that. Right, goes okay. So he does like about ten, not nice. And I'm standing back and I'm watching this uh, go down. I'm going, I don't know if this is such a good idea. You know, like if we're going on stage in like a couple of hours, and the guys, uh, guy already drinks like a fish, right? Yeah. So uh, the way Del Shannon come on stage was we do this little Vegas thing like da 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 da. da, da you know, and Del Shannon walk out and wave to the crowd, and he'd tune up with the band playing, right? And then he plug, like he in this twin uh, reverb amp, and it's in the center of the stage. And then he stop the band. and go, "Once I had a pretty girl, her name it doesn't matter. She ran away with another guy, and now she's getting fatter. Da 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 da. Hats off to Larry." Anyway, that's where he started the show. Well, Tel Shannon was a big name. And uh, the, the crown room was packed out. It must have been over 300 people, standing room only. He walks out and has a fairly high stage. And he did what I call a face plant. That's when you put your foot down and you think there's floor, but there's nothing. There's like air. And he went face first out front of the first table. He smashed, he landed on his side. A uh, pitcher of beer went flying, and draft glasses and everything else. And, um, the 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 bouncers come over and Gradwin, him like heaved him back on the stage he walks up I hear him bang his guitar on the uh mic stand he starts singing he his voice starts breaking and it was just like a a shit show for the whole set the guy's voice is breaking right but I'll tell you this he never lost his falsetto ever he never lost his falsetto and uh he got interviewed by the KW record and he said it was the uh the, the change of where he came from like, and weather, that's what was affecting his voice. Yeah. And, and, and he that, had a very,
0: uh, sorry about that. He had a very strange um, premonition of his death, which actually came true, right?
8: Picking up the airport in Toronto, we couldn't stop talking about the fact that he'd uh, gone out in the desert just before he left. He lived down somewhere around L.A., and he had driven out into the desert, and he had seen this guy leaning against a cactus. When he went over to check the guy out, the guy he realized the guy had um, committed suicide by blowing his brains out with a shotgun. And he couldn't stop talking about this. And ironically, many years later, he uh, committed suicide much the same way, only with a twenty-two in the shower. But uh, Del Shannon was supposed to replace Roy Orbison in the Traveling Wilberries. He was friends with really? Tom Petty. In fact, we, we talked about him and Tom Petty, and he's in the uh, Running Down a Dream, then lyrics. Running down a dream. Because uh-huh. me and yeah. Del were singing. Because he knew George Harrison. He knew all those guys. And he seemed like the obvious choice to re- replace uh, um, Roy Orbison because he had one of those high falsetto voices. Like, we used to. Highly do, underrated. Uh, we, used, we used to do Crying, in the set, and that that's a pretty tough song. Try yeah, at like the, the end. Yeah, it goes pretty yeah. damn high.
1: Okay.
0: now, um, like all singers, uh, you know they stretch their vocal cords and whatnot, and uh, they get these uh, things called know, notes. No, 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 no. Yeah, but uh, you don't stretch your vocal cords. Okay, so can you can you elaborate on on what happened with you? Um, with your, your, is it called vocal nodes or voice nodes?
8: Well, nodes, your polyps are basically just a callus on your vocal cords. It's caused by too much tension around the thyroid cartilage. If you look at somebody like Michael Bolton singing, for instance, and you see all those veins standing out in Michael's neck, uh, and look where the tension is, right in the middle of it is, is Adam's apple, which is your thyroid cartilage. It's more predominant in males than it is in females, but it's a hard shell to protect your vocal cords from physical injury, like a shot in the neck. And um, when, when singers sing with all the tension down around the thyroid cartilage, the vocal cords, you Now the vocal cords create sound by tapping together, and that uh, bit of vibrating breath between the vocal cords is your voice, okay? Uh, now, when there's too much tension on the, around the uh, thyroid cartilage, it's, transferred to the vocal cords, and the vocal cords strike each other so violently that they swell up along the inner edges. And that's why usually singers that, you know, strain their voices over the, say, a night of singing, they lose their top notes first because those notes vibrate at a faster frequency than your low notes vibrate much. In fact, on a tenor or soprano, a high C might be vibrating over a 1,000 times a second. So what happens is... And, uh, you know, after a period of time, like anything else, your body goes, well, you can't be doing this shit to yourself. So it sets up a defense mechanism to protect the vocal cords. And you develop these things called nodes. And nodes are, once again, are just like a callus. And once you get the node, then the vocal cords won't uh, vibrate correctly to create the sound. And you lose the top and the bottom part of your range, and you're left with maybe three or four notes around middle C where you talk. And you should never get them removed. Nowadays, they remove them with a laser beam. They actually used to do it with a friggin' scalpel, believe it or not, which is, like, really bad. But um, because the scar tissue uh, from the operation is uh, just as bad as, the, um, as the, no- the note of the polyp, people like Adele, for instance, they stopped touring, right, because, you know, they've had the operation and it's done something to their voice. Their vocal cords. People like Julie Andrews went in to get the operation, and they screwed it up, and she never sang again after that. And that was Mount Sinai Hospital. Right. And Joan Rivers died from it, right? Joan Rivers died from Well, not. No, she died from They gave her too much anesthetic. Anesthetic. Oh. Okay. They over-anesthetics. I can't say it properly, but... Too much anesthesia. She 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 had it done before, I guess. Okay. Could be wrong enough, but I heard she got her. Once again, they're going to keep coming back. You need to get rid of them because you haven't gotten rid of the reason that they're in the first place. That's muscular tension. That's why. What that's why what I teach bell canto is the only way to get rid of the damn things when you sing. Can you tell me a little bit about it? Well, bel canto would take a couple hours, but bel canto essentially is four stages. To lift the throat is stage one. Stage two is aiming the voice and the mass of the face forward on the hard palate. Three is inhalation, which is the act of taking breath into your head as you sing. And four is the hold of the breath and working on the, the range. Uh, but all through bel canto, each stage uh, is to take the tension off the vocal cords. Most singers expect, uh, you know, you could sing the rest of your uh, career or life in your bottom and mid range, and you'll never get notes. It's the high range that kills the singers, the high notes, because they vibrate the fastest. You follow me? So, oh, yeah. bel, canto, bel Canto, when you start to learn, you, I start all my students at the bottom. And then once they've mastered the four steps, then you start working up on the range. You don't really even start working on that until you get to the inhalation, actually the third step. But, um, you know, step number one, lift the throat. When you see these old old Hollywood cats like uh, Frank Sinatra, Dean Martin and that, they always get a pleasant expression on their face uh, because they're singing what's called dummy face. They got lifted cheeks. Plus they're lifting the back of their throat and what that does is take the tension around the thyroid cartilage and transfer that tension to the muscles at the back of the throat. That's why they not only is it aesthetically pleasing, like they are trying to entertain, right? So they're smiling, but it has a very practical purpose when it's when they sing. It it transfers that tension away from the from the you know, so it can do harm. And then number two is to aim the voice forward, once again, It takes a lot less effort to uh, amplify sound off a hard surface than a soft surface. Soft surfaces absorb sound. So you learn to sing uh, forward off the uh, hard palate and let the bone amplify the sound rather than try to push the shit out of the note. Because if you're singing in the back of your throat and trying to amplify your voice, it's akin to beating on a pillow with a baseball bat. You're never going to get volume out of that. Because the back of your throat is called your soft palate for a reason. (laughs) Uh, and And then three, and this is what nobody teaches that I know of, is the inhalation. It's the act of taking breath into your head as you're singing. Because once again, most singers that get voice problems do it because they're pushing their voice, especially in high notes. Because it vibrates at a faster frequency, they need to have more breath. Therefore, they need to have more pressure behind the breath to make the vocal cords vibrate at that frequency, you follow me? So that's why you see that muscular tension around the uh, thyroid cartilage because they're pushing the shit out of it, trying to get up there and hit the note. But that's where they do all the damage. In inhalation, though, in bel canto, what you're doing is you're drawing breath into your head. And you draw more breath on the high notes, which in turn draws the breath up out of the lungs, across the vocal cords. So instead of pushing across the vocal cords, you're drawing the breath up and causing a vacuum. It's called Bernoulli's Principle or Bernoulli's Principle in Science, something like that.
0: And you have a degree in this, apparently.
8: Well, I degree. Yeah, degree. I have a, a diploma from the School of had Johnson. There isn't there isn't a school that'll give me a diploma in this because oh. in fact Ed Johnson who taught not only me but Gilmore of Triumph Beverly Angelo of uh, uh, you know it was Mary Del Pacino he taught uh, Larry Evoy, Copper Penny Major Hoop was Gordon House um, uh, Andy Kern the Coney Hatch Daniel Lanois, uh produces you too and all those people he taught right and. Mm-hmm. uh, Ed, Ed went to the uh, uh, Hamilton University, um, McMaster, is it? And he wanted to be a teacher. And they went, can you, can you teach us in a month? And he goes, no, of course not. It takes years. And they said, we don't want you. Which is a terrible <laughs> attitude for schools to take. Because anything worthwhile in life, I'll tell you from experience, takes a long time.
4: We don't you get those easily. things in a
0: couple of weeks. You could absolutely easily, uh, you know, do a course on this for a university course. There's not a doubt in my mind, Brian. I mean, you oh, for sure obviously I am, but, uh, it, know it. I know this
8: inside out. And I was very lucky <laughs> because I have probably one of the greatest teachers of Belcanto that's ever walked the face of this earth, Edward Johnson. Edward Johnson, I was sent to him when I had notes. And at that time, he taught out of the basement of a church in Hamilton. This is a real story, actually. I tried to talk the um, CBC, the, the people at the, the classical section, do something Ed Johnson, they weren't interested. Go figure. But Ed Johnson, okay, at a very early age, I have uh, uh, stuff out of the Hamilton Spectator where he lost. He lost a singing contest at five years old. And this is a quote from his mother. He cried as if his little heart would break. He was destined to be a singer. And he grew when he grew up and got old enough, without knowing anybody except I think he had an aunt in Brooklyn, he set off for New York to, lear, to learn to be in the opera, right? So he went all mm-hmm. the way to New York, didn't freaking know anybody, and he became the youngest member ever of the New York Metropolitan Opera. He was from Ferguson, Ontario. And uh, he got married when he was down there and also was in New York City, became the um, Event organizer for the 21 Club, which was a famous club in New York. And he also became the tenor soloist for Norman Vincent Peale, who wrote The Power of Positive Thinking, which is a, a, a famous book. Every self help book in the world has been modeled after The Power of Positive Thinking. And so when Ed was at the opera, he, he could have been just as great as the three, any one of the three tenors. He had a marvelous voice. His wife, be a uh, uh, contacting cancer. She was a radium girl, one of these women that painted uh, radioactive paint on dials for cars and things like that. Mm-hmm. And she got, uh, she died of non Hodgkin's lymphoma. And he was crushed and he moved back to Canada. And he, believe it or not, he worked for Fuller Brush Company until he lost that job. I don't know if he got fired or whatever. I never, never did tell me. But at that point, He started teaching, and that's when he taught all these famous people to to sing because uh, uh, he was the only one that taught bel canto. Now, bel canto, I'll tell you a little bit about bel canto while we're on the subject. Bel canto, or bel voce, means beautiful voice, and is the Italian method of singing started by Leonardo da Vinci in the 16th century, okay? And It was passed down by word of mouth. Nobody ever wrote anything down about Bel Canto, and that's why today it's such a a, a maligned term, because people that are, you know, want to bullshit people into coming to them for voice lessons, they say, oh yeah, I teach Bel Canto, and they don't have a goddamn clue what Bel Canto is. Okay? But anyway, the knowledge was passed down through the ages, and the Uh, nothing was ever really written down. And this is important because uh, the old uh, teachers, for instance, when it came to inhalation, the act of taking breath into the head, which is the key really to the technique, uh, they used to stick a candle in front of the student's mouth. And if the flame didn't go outwards, they knew they had mastered inhalation. In other words, they were taking breath into their head, right? But it really wasn't a, a good way to teach somebody how to, draw breath into their head when they sing, right? Ed Johnson was the first uh, uh, um, teacher in the lineage of famous Bel Canto teachers that actually figured out how to, uh, um, uh, like a palatable course to teach people how to do that. So uh, he, you know, and I saw a video that someone sent me. It was a guy, the head of the uh, Italian Opera Society talking at the Smithsonian Institute. And he was talking, and suddenly, in the background, he started doing a PowerPoint on Del Canto, the four steps that I told you about, right? This guy actually knows what he's doing. And uh, because I never really uh, actually seen it before, but the thing he pointed out that blew my mind was, he traced it all the way from Leonardo da Vinci on this PowerPoint behind him. He said, okay, he taught him, and then he taught him, and then he taught. And he showed it down through the ages, and it stopped at uh, a guy named Cottrelli, I think he was a, a Corelli or Cottrelli, in the, about 1911 or something. Well, that singer, Ed used to always tell me that was his favorite singer, right? And I went and checked him out, and sure enough, this guy had a wild voice. Uh, but not my. Uh, taste, but anyway, that was Ed's f- favorite singer. But he was a bel canto singer. And um, that's where it kind of ends off in this guy's PowerPoint presentation. Well, Ed picked up that mantle, but he also developed a course. And of the people that he taught uh, to be teachers, he taught about seven people to be teachers. I was the only one of those seven people that he gave his blessing to. Because... for about 15 years after i learned how to do it i drove back and forth from london ontario all the way to fergus it took me two hours and 15 minutes to get there i pick a coffee and a donut up up on the way or a muffin and i take it to him and we do our uh we sit there and shoot the shit and talk about the blue jays and the maple leaves uh and uh he'd eat his muffin and drink his coffee that i brought them and then we do our lesson and uh you know, that's who he taught me to uh, to sing classical songs. And wow. Anyway, that was Ed Johnson. I was with him when he died. Uh, you know, he uh, he had uh, um, a stroke and he was in an induced coma. And, uh, right. you know, he had a do not resuscitate order. So I went to the hospital and for the last two weeks I stayed overnight in the room and stuff. And they said he could hear, but he couldn't. Obviously, talk or anything like that. And then Ray Lyle came in uh, about 11 o'clock on the Thursday morning. And after he left, I went home to get a change of clothes. And halfway home, my wife phoned me and told me that he passed away. Right. Um, that. Fast forward that, a couple of years. Fast forward two years from there.
0: We're doing get, the Christmas oh, album. Right. right. And that's what I'm to break here. Um, I want to go to Deep Cuts the Knife from 1985. We're going to play that. And when we come back, you can tell me about the Leafs and how they're going to win a cup with the song that you uh, came up with. So here we are on Highway Freaks. Here's Helix and Deep Cuts the Knife. So that was deep cuts the knife. Um, just want to ask you real short. What is that song about, there, uh, uh, Brian? Uh, yeah, just a love
8: song, right? You don't okay, necessarily so, have
0: to have something you're personally writing about when you write. You can imagine the situation, and emotion. Right. Was that because when you when when I hear that song and I and I know your first relationship, you know, you almost had. Well, you actually ended up homeless, and uh, we can talk about that later, but. Uh, I'm thinking that Deep Cuts the Knife was kind of around that time. is that about right?
8: Uh, that was about that was 1985, but I didn't write the song. The song was written by Paul and uh, 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 Bob Halligan. okay yeah, and they brought so. us that song. Uh, Paul went down to New York to write with Bob. I've written with Bob too, but uh, Paul came back and he played the song for us in the uh, I think it was a truck or a van or something. We went out to them with uh, our manager, Bill Seidman. He played on, we all went, that's a great song, right? And mm-hmm. at the same time, we were practicing on bright up street in Kitchener and uh, Nova uh, flew in or came in or drove in, wherever he came from. Mm-hmm. And he was going to try to uh, uh, help us with songs and sell them on writing stuff, right? So Nova came down to the practice hall and he tried to uh, sell us on a song called Hardest Stone. Well, anybody that's a songwriter has heard that title like four million times, Hardest Stone, right? Not a very yes. unique title, which kind of turned me out. It turned me off the song. There's no doubt about it, right? Anyway, <laughs> we played the deep, cut, deep Cuts of Navy Saw songs, okay, but, uh, you yeah. so know, we should put, use this song instead. Well, me, me and uh, Bill Sype, I mean, Andrew, we went out to the truck. I remember saying, no way, we're using Paul's song. And sure enough, that song became, uh, went to double breaker status in the United States for us. It was on the uh, top seven on P one hundred seven for, I think, like six months. It just like uh, was a,
0: a great song airplay wise, uh, it's, it's, and uh, it's your every rose still... needs every rose has a thorn type song. That's that's what I think it is. It's it's your it it defies you as uh, for a rock ballad, for for Helix, uh, you know that that type of music.
8: Well, whatever. You know, I don't try to analyze stuff too much. Uh, Mm -hmm. I just got a certain feel when I put it out. And, uh, you know,
0: people uh, obviously identify with the song and the emotion Is about. True. Very true. So what is this? I want to hear about this Leafs winning the cup thing. How did that start?
8: Well, first off, I got to tell you about the uh, connection with Ed Johnson. Uh, Because the original Leafs song, uh, that, that song... Uh, all I want for Christmas is the Leafs to win the cup. We've, I rode in the doorway of Sean Kelly's uh, house. I was just about to leave and go down to a restaurant to talk to the lead singer of uh, um, a band, Whose Army, which had won the uh, Cover Me Canada contest. Remember I was on as a, a judge? Well, anyway, mm-hmm. um, uh, I hooked up with this, this kid that sang for that band. I was supposed to talk to him about... Uh, uh, to sing I guess, he was getting sore throats in the studio or something because that was part of uh winning that, that contest. There was you, he, he had uh, something like two hundred thousand dollars to go record an album, and uh, so I went to talk to him about Bel Canto And um, I said, Look, you gotta come for lessons. And I said, I can't do it over the phone, and he never did come. And I never ever heard anything about the uh band after that, so I don't know what happened. I guess the album come out and didn't do anything. But uh, that original song wasn't on the original Christmas song. The original Christmas album was called A Heavy Mental Christmas, and that did not have that song on it. We eventually added it later on uh, and it changed it from A Heavy Mental Christmas to just A Helix Christmas. But um, that album was recorded in August because you have to be many months ahead of when it actually comes out. So we had recorded the album in August, and uh, I was going to uh, pick up the album at the recording studio and, uh, from the producer, Aaron Murray, and uh, the engineer, rather, Aaron Murray. And I went down there and uh, came back home, and I said, I picked the mail up at the front door, and I went into the kitchen. I sat down with my wife, Linda, and I said, look, and I said, you know, um, I said, I'm 2000 bucks short here. I said, I said I'm said i pissed off because i got to go back to my parents and ask them. I'm like, over 40 years old. Here I am still asking my parents for money. I said, what the hell? Okay. And uh, we're kind of talking about this. We're sitting at the table with the first letter I opened up was from Ed's widow. Matt, Ed had been dead for a couple of years by this time. And the first letter I opened up was from Ed's widow. And she said, I really want to thank you for helping out, Ed. He would have really appreciated it, and that's why he would have wanted you to have this check for 2000 bucks. And uh, the hair stood up on my arm. Now, remember I told you Ed Ed was the tenor soul for knowing Vincent Peale wrote The Power of Positive Thinking. And my whole time that I knew Ed, which was like, you know, 30 years, he kept saying to me, don't worry about money. When you need money, money will fall out of the sky. He must have said it a thousand times to me. And here I needed two thousand bucks, and guess what? Ed sent me two thousand
0: bucks. The universe dictated it. That's 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 how i that's kind of how I reason things. The universe can dictate things. and we don't know why, but it just happens. and And you know that's that's a prime example right there um what i wanted to talk to you about is in the 90s you you, you were actually making uh, you you were working in a variety store rather and some really awful things happened to you can, can you tell me a little bit about that and how did that kind of come to be like how did you find yourself there
8: well i, I just gone through my first divorce and uh i was basically couch surfing um from friend to friend to friend and finally my buddy randy haywood had put a great big apartment up in Adelaide Street in London uh, we were out one night and said I, you wouldn't want to have a roommate would you and he said well look at it he said I've turned down about four other people he said well I'll let you move in with me so I moved in with Randy we had this huge uh, uh, apartment uh, but I had no car so I was working for temporary services for a while I couldn't get a regular job because nobody would hire a guy without a car I had no way to get to work so the, there was a hasty market out at the uh, driveway when I come into the uh, apartment complex where we lived. So I applied for a job there at minimum wage, and I was working night shift. And uh, this guy came in and started giving me a hard time. Now, back then, you know, I'd be I'd be working away. I'd have an apron on, and my hair up, and a hairnet. And people come in and go, hey, aren't you the singer for Helix? And they go, no, no, it's not me. You have the wrong person. They literally hound me around the store until I admitted that I was. And then I even have people say, Look, I want to see ID. I go, (laughs) Right? Like, just hassle me. Embarrassing, too. So, anyway, this guy was hassling me. And, um, you know, he paid for his stuff at the counter. And way out, I could hear him muttering under his breath, you know, saying something like, Fucking asshole or something. I didn't get myself. I said, There's the door. Well, he turned around and started swinging. Well, we went out at the front door. And we're down, rolling around the floor, and, and um, you know those, uh, uh, they used to have pyramids of of Coke bottles, like 750 liters when they had real glass bottles. This guy was trying to get this bottle and smash me in the face when I was down on the floor. His girlfriend and his buddy came in from outside, and they started, um, uh, you know, every time he'd pull my head back by my hair, he'd down on the floor. His girlfriend would haul off and kick my face like a football. <laughs> And uh, all of a sudden, a taxi driver come in and said, look, you, you don't get out here and leave right now. I'm calling the cops, and they all left. And then uh, I got up, and uh, you know, I was bleeding and cut and shit and black eye. And uh, I had to go to emergency and get stitched up. I had a couple stitches, I think, nothing serious. Um, but then a couple of weeks after that, I'm working the store again. And it's night shift. It's like 2.30 in the morning. I hear a noise and a freaking foot comes out of the ceiling. Back by the coolers. They couldn't have been too smart as criminals because the place was twenty open 24-7. So I do not know why they were trying to break in through the roof in the middle of, you know, it was open. So they pull out their foot and they jump off the roof and they take off through the, uh, out these, you I know, guess we're like two-story walk-ups. And I phoned the cops, the cops come and I'm outside, I'm having a smoke, I smoked at that time. And the cops got the K-9 unit and they come up and I'm smoking a cigarette and he goes, which, which way did they go? And I go, I went over there and when I went to Point, the dog jumped up German Shepherd and bit me right in the tit. jeez. <laughs> oh, uh, I went, wow! And the, the do- and the cop pulled the dog off and he said, oh, sorry about that. I said, sorry about that. I said, the dog just bit me, right? Anyway. So, oh, no. The, the cop doesn't look at, you know, I'm, please don't press charges because my dog, kids play with the dog and some sob stories, So, okay, whatever, right? And I never said it and made a report out, but the frigging dog bit me. And uh, it was like the body, you know, I was kind of scraping the dregs of my life at that point. And then things mm-hmm. got better after that. There was more. Oh, my gosh.
0: And me, but... speaking of yeah. injuries, uh, we're going to go to a song. But I want to hear uh, what happened to you on stage, because you had some really wild injuries on stage, especially the parachute roll. So let's go to Long Way to Heaven uh, from the title track of the album. And it's a great song from Helix on Highway Freaks.